What's good, everybody, and welcome to Bridge the Gap, the interview show over here at Behind That Suit, where our main focus is to bridge that gap of knowledge and to teach to people, folks, based on our life experiences and stuff. Joining me today is a very special guest, in my opinion, Mr. Don Dada, a name that anybody that knows him puts respect on it, okay? Merker says, what's what up? up? What Just up? so you yeah, know, Merker Music up, is up in here. Um, respect is always put on this man's name anytime I've heard it. Um, so I'm going to do my little thing. I think it's, it's a good start to give you flowers. It's a good way to start these interviews. Um, so the first person I saw in Montreal this year to have a track break, 100,000, was Don Dada. Uh, and that was Smile with Travis Bryant and Justine, whatever. But what I thought was super cool was that it said Don Dada in the credits that I saw as an artist. So I was able to click back and discover who he was. Now, that made me go, this guy's smart. Right off the jump because he was clickable and I was able to find him. And then I found him on Instagram at some point or another. And I've been watching the stuff he puts out. But also the graphic, right? So when you look at that little cartoon version, like I actually didn't know what he looked like in real life until he sent me the picture for the fucking uh, thing because I didn't really look that deep. But it was really like there was almost this illusion of Don Dada, this music producer person created on this cartoon Kanye-esque graphic that I saw that was super fucking cool. But really it was talking to Travis Bryant. Now, I don't know if you ever had a moment where somebody talks up somebody else and the passion they put into describing that person is just so fucking paramount that like you just feel the need to talk to this person. Well, that's what happened with Travis. He said that you were in touch with the music. You told him to stop rapping on Smile because it was done. It didn't need more. And the song knocked out the fucking park. Really did well. Really is enjoyable tune to this day. I can still listen to it. It's a banger. Um, but also he described the way that you visualize things beyond beats. It's more of an artistic package. It's more of an entire universe and an entire ensemble of things. And here's the That's thing. Uh, I don't want this show to just be me talking to a bunch of rappers along the way without exploring every part of what makes music going well. And I think looking at you helped me read, kind of evaluate myself. So moving forward, with my, my guy, my sound dude does all the work, right? Like my, he makes the beats. He fucking, he's half the song, right? Like I'm going to be real with you. I'm kind of selfish if I'm not putting his fucking names up in the artist credit. So moving forward, I'm actually going to do that shit where I credit him as like part of the thing. Why? Because I saw you doing it. I saw other people doing it and I realized it's only fair y'all are artists with this shit in it with us and i think we all need sure. to give more love to producers that's why it's such a pleasure to have you here um i can't say you're the first producer but you are the first producer from montreal that's up on this channel so that's a huge oh. thing for me and that's fucking blessed so uh, i'm real glad to have you all here shout out willie for being in the chats Anyway, my goal with this thing is to kind of talk to you, walk through your story, to take any tangential breaks along the way to explore the different facets of what makes you interesting and, and versatile. Because again, we don't all know you. Um, unfortunately, in this world, Wikipedias and things aren't kind to guys in our tier of life. So that's the goal of this is pretend like we're filling out a Wikipedia article as we go through your journey. And that's it. As much detail you want to put out, that's that's it. As long as it takes, if it's part one of many, that's what it ends up being. This is time to get your story on the wax as we bridge the gap about Don Dada. Shout out to everybody watching before we begin. So I'm going to start with my first question. It's a bit of a staple now. So everybody kind of gets the same one, but I like it. And it gets a little bigger as time goes on. So it starts with my girlfriend washing dishes. I like okay. stories. So, um, she was listening to that. I got a feeling. Track there from the Black Eyed Feast. I can't remember the name of it ever, but that one. But you, what I remember about that is being 22 
in the clubs with the circle of people jumping <laughs> around bouncing but now it's dishes music and it's it's hype dishes music it is what it okay. is that shit came on when i'm watching it because yo it brings me back to that era and yep. i realized that yesterday's club hit is tomorrow's chore music but then i yep. also realized along the way that there's as i started asking people this question that there's other vibes and shit out there there's car music there's fucking you know whatever musics that are around you mm. but then i also realized attached to all this that when we think about your musical journey People yes. often start it with, what are your influences? And I'm like, nah, that's too late in the story. It goes back. It goes back to what your parents made you listen to. And if you yeah. have siblings, what your siblings made, that's the new edition. Yeah. I was reading the Gucci Mane book today, and Gucci Mane's brother was a huge source of his music. I never asked about siblings before. So right. in general, what I want to understand is a very young Don Dada in his right. household. What was the music that was chores music, the car music, just the different vibes that really started your musical journey. Well, the early music that I heard in the household was a lot of Arabic stuff, a lot of folk music, uh, a lot of the local pop music at the time. So it's basically a variety, a good gradient, but mostly Arab music. It's when I immigrated. It's when I immigrated to Canada around the age of four. Uh, is when I really got introduced to, at the time, this was was the sounds of Montreal in terms of like the dance, the house that they had, or, or the early, I would say early dance music, you know what I mean? That was coming so I have a, a quick question. Where were you yeah. born? I was born in Kuwait, but I'm Lebanese. Just that my my father works out, used to work out in Kuwait with the contracting and things like that. And he had my mom fl fly out for a weekend. And then I was born on that Monday. That's um, crazy. Yeah. That's, that's so interesting. Yeah. And then... I proceeded to live in Egypt for the first three years of my life <laughs> and then came here. So it's like quite a little tragedy, uh, quite a little tra trajectory uh, getting uh, where I am today. Yo, but that's mad nifty stills. Yeah. I mean, does that mean you can like head back to Kuwait or things like that? Like, do you have some kind of dual citizenship type shit? I don't know how any of that really works. Uh, not with Kuwait because they're more of a kingdom. So it's more on uh, bloodline and uh, land ownership. So no, in that case, my pops at the time, he was just contractor, foreign contractors. So no, they, what they do is they don't charge you for the hospital bill. That's, that's one thing that's cool. Uh, but uh, no, there's no citizenship or anything involved unless you're really from the people. Both Fair your parents got to be uh, from there. And so when you did come to Montreal or Canada, was it Montreal? Yeah. And what part of Montreal was that? West Island, my man. Straight to Pierrefonds. Yeah. I respect that. I spent some time out in that part. Of, my mom's in Pierrefonds right now. So it's like big, uh, it's, it's like a second home base to me. Right. Um, all right, cool. So let's go back to the, the pop sounds. You were listening to a lot of that when you came to Montreal and I cut you off, but it was super curious. So what kind oh, of nice. Montreal influences were added to that? Because straight off the jump, we have this, uh, I guess, Arabic influence, which is interesting, right? Right. Well, from, from, from the get, there was a lot of like, like when you say chore music, you know, when, when, when the cleanup goes and the vacuum goes on, the music goes even louder than that. You know what I mean? So the house, the house really shakes with that, with that rhythm. And from, from a young age, you, you get to see that music is a res, like a resort and outlet to whether it's sad or happy whatever a, a whole a whole wide variety of emotions or, or state of minds that you might be in or things you might be doing actions and then 
that kind of imprinted, you know, I guess like a, or seeded, I say, like a liking to, 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 to music itself. Already that like my background was, was pretty much forming itself to become an artist on multiple avenues, like meaning multiple different medias, painting, drawing, music, all of that, I guess. That's so you're doing what, all that as a kid? Yeah. Like how young? Bro, as far as I can remember, like three years old. Like it, it all started with scribble scrabbles and, and then listening to music to sketching and then playing on a Casio to making little graffiti pieces in notebooks and playing the Fender Squire, you know what I mean? I'm playing a little bass. And then eventually writing a one-two rhyme to fully producing, you know what I mean? And then I mean that's yeah, definitely yeah. So we gotta definitely expand into that. That's the goal of this is to yeah. cover the details of this crazy journey. Cause yo, right off the jump though, for those that are just joining us, what we've learned is the guy from the very beginning was artistically inclined uh, in multiple genres of stuff. So drawing, I'm taking it as well as playing musical instruments as well. So Casio is a keyboard, right? Yeah, like a, like a Casio keyboard. You know the one that comes with like preloaded sounds and it plays. Were your, like a, um, were your parents or any, were your parents or anything involved with music at that time, or was it just uh, like you were uh, just organically drawn to it yourself? Well. I was organically drawn to it myself, I would say, because like, I don't have any musicians in the family. I'm, I'm really the first musician and one of the rare artists, I'd even say, like in the family, but honestly, the only musician, let alone taking it seriously and whatnot, you know? Yeah, it's crazy. Um, that also played a lot into me trailblazing my own, my own path, my own way, you know? Like, you, even... It, it, mimic, it mimicked it mimicked the household you know when you're like the eldest sibling how you eat the shit yes. first and you take the way for the second one yes. I, I, yes I feel like i feel like i ate that on multiple levels like even with like under that household you know what i mean that and the music and the fact that like they weren't used to that like you know so Especially i can that actually the, the fact that i have the potential to do the typical shit you know what i mean that I connect with what you're what saying fucking heavy. It really resonates mm -hmm. a lot with my story. Like when I when I got to Sage up as an example, my parents were like straight up going to sciences. That's what it is. But yo, I knew I wanted to do music my whole life. I knew I wanted to be involved in this shit my whole life, right? But mm -hmm. I was the older sibling. You do take it harder. I don't care what anyone says. It is what it mm -hmm. is. Um, you do get more freedoms often, but yeah. you do take it way harder. And there is a lot more expectation to like, you know, bring the family name to the next level and all that shit. So I relate a lot to that. But like, I feel like that's crazy that you started so young. But like, when did you like pivot into having your own sense of musical identity? And let me just frame the question with, I guess, a comparison mm. to how other people look at it. Because in your case, it's special. You're already connected to music. You're already kind of creating throughout your journey. So you, also, when is this? What kind of technology exists when you were young? Like, what era were you oh, growing man. up in? I, I come from analog, bro. Like, I come from analog, but it switched over very quickly to, like, digital, but it was still within the box, meaning, like, I was still working on a workstation, like a Roland workstation. It's a keyboard, and all the sounds are, 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 are within it. Not that I had to use a computer before to make beats or whatever with that, but, like, I was copying and pasting fucking, you know, samples of different stuff into cool edit at the time before it was and, called adobe audition you know what i mean when was this oh man this is like oh one oh two man 
Is this like when you're in like? So this I'm just trying 18, to. This is 18 years ago, bro. I hear you. I understand yeah. how far back it is. We just trying mm. to go through your story and understand it, cause yo, it's, yeah. you gotta like look at it. Some people might look at you today and go, "The guy's got a lot mm. going on." I look at you today and go, "The guy's got this story full of a lot of different things he did, and in those things that he did, we can all learn something." So, as an example, yeah. being so open-minded as a young age and having to like fight a trailblaze, these are things that created a character that allowed you to create distinction. So, sure. but another thing, like when I was talking to you before, yes, you're clearly technologically inclined in a way that's really refreshing to actually hear about, which we can get into some cool shit later on. But yo, how do we get there? Like, are you reading stuff when you're young? Like, what kind yeah, of things man. were you? What kind of stuff were you into? And like, I guess, uh, as far as musical identity, something that I've noticed is somewhere around puberty, people kind of go, and it could be a bit before, a bit after, whatever, but people stop going from this point of this is what's around me to, yo, that's my favorite fucking song. Do you remember right. like that first moment, the first favorite song of yours, the first element of that? Wow. Um... A lot of music struck me in many ways at many phases of my life. But if you really want to say something prominent, something like a musical piece, and not necessarily that it's my favorite musical piece because of its musicality, but just because right. of its significance of what, it, or for lack of better words, or whatever vibration it gave in that phase of my life, it's when the Fugees dropped the score in 1995. Okay. That album, front to back, had feelings and vibes that at the same time was in the midst of a huge cultural shift, whether it's the West Coast side of music or the East Coast side of music and all the way to even like European pop, everything was just moving so much. And like that album just kind of like represented the sailboat that made its way through that without bumping it through anything. You know, you know what I mean? Almost like I do actually. It's it's sonically you know what i mean it and it still resonates that way i definitely think it's one of those albums that you can listen to today and now and it sounds amazing it has the timeless qualities of a classic and i really appreciate it to this day um that's crazy so like i guess um when did you like start to get like serious with it so you're in high school i guess at some point you have do you have access to technology you're you're playing with adobe programs and stuff uh also well, what high school did you go to I went to uh, a called secondary point Claire in the West Island. It's a French uh, lease that was uh, a thing at the time where the, the French school board would lease parts of English high schools and turn them into French side high schools. It was at John Rennie High School, mm. like where mine was instated. Um, and then I finished my last year at Felix Leclerc, which is the French side of St. Thomas. All of that in the West Island, in the Point Claire section. Right. And uh, in those days, the access was pretty much basic computers, but I wasn't using computers really to do the music at the time. I was more analog. Like at that time, I was using, you know, Casio keyboards for them sounds, like just to jam out with guys literally at their garage and, or in the basement. And that's, and that's when I picked up the, the bass guitar. I went, uh, okay. I, I went to Archambault, picked up a Fender, uh, and really just, you know, kind of found myself with that because it represented more of just something to do in terms of musicality, like helping find myself as a person too, you know what I mean? 
Um, I respect that a lot. Yeah, because like it, it's a relationship with this thing where like, do you want to do it or not? You know what I mean? Because like, I find a lot of people will 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 have instruments in their house, and growing up, like aside the Casio, like I wouldn't see like a real guitar or a real drum set until I went to somebody's home or something else like that. And it's always tucked in the basement on the, on the side or something. Or it, it's, it looks like it's in storage or whatever. You know what I mean? I do and that, actually. And that always perplexed me. I'm like, what? Like that's that centerpiece, man. Like, <laughs> no, I, I resonates heavy what you're saying. Uh, my first, mm. my first big purchase in life with my first job was a bass guitar. And before I got into hip hop, I actually you know, played bass whole, for man. a good year. Like, I can remember sitting there and learning to play Jesus of Suburbia. It was the first song I learned to play. It was, it's not a complex song, but it is nine minutes. And I'm the kind of stubborn guy that would be like, fuck that, I'm gonna learn that shit. And it took me a week. But so I can really actually connect personally with what you're saying. And I think anybody mm. that has gone through that journey with any one of their passions can do that. But what's really mm. interesting about what you said is that you saw people out there and they have these passion projects, like they're props. And you couldn't actually fathom how people could treat that. So you went ahead and, you know, moved into your own thing, which I think is a fascinating thing to observe even. Uh, I've definitely not heard that yet on this channel, which is cool. Because it is uh, it is a thing I've seen in my life as well. So thanks for, like, even just sharing that, just to get all of our brains going, you know? Right. Um, I'm humble, man. Like, uh, a lot of people have, you know, expressed the way that they view me as, like a like an intellectual and things like that and it always humbled me and coming from you know from a lot of people and all this it's sometimes you know it, like it can be perceived that oh yeah it, it can be taken for granted and all that but because like everybody's a goof in their own way you know what i mean everybody's a chimp in their own way and so like, i'm always humbled to hear that you know what i mean I mean, I just think it's really gracious that you're able to just share that so candidly, right? Like at the end of the day, it lets people who might be doing that know this is something people notice. And it lets other people know, yo, if that's your shit, put it front and center so other people can see that. And that's what we call a fucking knowledge nugget up in here. And uh, there was a knowledge nugget thrown into the chat very recently. Okay. It's actually what our emo is, our, our, our cheapest one, because that's what it is. That's what this is about oh. on this channel. Oh. So I appreciate I you that. sharing all of this shit, man. To me, this can be the most non-linear, all-over-the-place conversation. At the end of the day, people are going to learn from it, and that's why it's a beautiful experience. Like, yo, even just thinking right. about the fact that you're sitting there playing around with a Casio in a pre-analog era, and you're fucking around. Like, yo, I'm sure there are people that don't fully even understand what that means. Like, I'm picturing it like you're with one of those keyboard thingies, and you can record sounds, and it's one of those keyboard guys. That's what I'm picturing. I'm not yeah. even a thousand percent sure I'm right. Um, but yeah, so that's really cool. So then you got into bass guitar. So you're basically in bands and shit at this point. Is that what's going on in your life? I, I wouldn't even say bands, man. Like, <laughs> like, like it, it didn't involve us like just jamming and trying to improv. And then, right. then, and then it went to like me downloading like bass tabs off the internet, the early days of the internet. Yes. Uh, I remember I'm this. Talking about 98, 99 here, you know, and, and these things were available to me and I was just shocked that they're available and like it was it was simplified tabs you know because I can't read sheet music till now like it just it just I ain't wired to it man like no, I feel I, like, you. like like whoever whoever manages to wire that in me man like is gonna get an award like because I 
I can learn fucking anything, but some shit, man, just like. <laughs> I feel you. So, yeah, those, those good, those 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 tabs really really helped out. Those sheets. Like the ones and with the like it would be like a five, and that meant press down on the fifth fret. You got it, man. Yeah. And it helped me just go through things quick because I like it's 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 almost set up like a video game code, you know, for like video game combos for like a fighting game or anything. So I looked at it like that, and it was so easy to memorize. I got so it's like five, two, three, eight, four, eight, Yo. that. And I would, and I would just along with the beat, you know, and, and I would play with the Offspring CD. I put in the Offspring album, and I would just fucking play like along to, to, to like the band and shit like that green day like, that's crazy honestly offspring has some of my favorite bass lines from especially um i'm not gonna i know it's not everyone's favorite but i think ixnay on the ombre has some ill fucking bass lines that are like nobody gives album. it the credit but that's like when album. you listen to something like i choose and you hear that boom 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 that shit's fire to me i don't give a fuck what anyone says so like that's fucking dope to me that you actually connected on that album too um, but yeah, that's a crazy knowledge nugget you just dropped too, because mnemonic devices for memory are a powerful thing. And I don't think people realize how they mm -hmm. work really well, but you just employed mm -hmm. one in your story, right? So you took mm -hmm. something that's kind of boring, like a bunch of numbers on a piece of paper, and you yeah. went ahead and connected it to the idea of something fun that you're already familiar with fighting game combinations which let's be real when we all sit around and think about it there are things we're super passionate about. So the idea is to take boring shit and relate it to the fun shit. And so I love that you gave us that opportunity to even expand on that more. So that's Mnemonic fucking cool saved too. My dude. life, bro. Mnemonic saved my life. Like I can't tell you, uh, like every facet, every every domain I've been in, like mnemonics has been it. I don't remember anything. Yo, it's super cool though that you were even like have that be part of it. Like I'm excited, man. This is to me, this is exciting. Like we got 13 people likewise, watching, man. so evidently likewise, it's not likewise. boring to the people that I, are sticking around. Don't worry, don't worry, man. We're looking at zeros to these numbers like eventually you know what i mean like they, nah, they, I feel they, you, very fucking doable very fucking doable but to me the fact is we still at a point where a lot of people are enjoying this so far which is to me a pleasure to be able to sit here and have these kinds of conversations um anyway i get a little high and redundant it is what it is um so how long were you fucking around with the bass did you explore other instruments at this time at some point does high school end and uh i don't know i guess that's what's going on well, through the through the avenue of the base, I was able to obviously. <clears throat> hey, can I uh, can I get that guitar for a second? Hey, let me sit behind that drum for a second, mm. and realize that you know that's why I never evolved through 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 my my musicianship through that because I realized I don't technically want to be in a band, but it's not like I I, I ever wanted to, to be in a band even when I picked up the bass. It's just I wanted to have fun strictly because I knew. Already pre-existing friends had this stuff, so I'm like, let's fucking do it. Like, it's it. It was so available to me. It would have been me blocking it, not for it not to happen, man. Right. Um. And then I just went with it, man. And like, you know, I rode that wave, like literally, like, like instead of letting that that wave take me down, you know, I, mean? I, I, I kind of went with it. And I'd say maybe a year or two, and that's when it kind of went silent for a bit. And then it went more like into more of an analysis of music for the next maybe. Oh boy, okay. We gotta four elaborate years, on that, man. man. You no, know, like for music, just I didn't I, I didn't do much other than like once in a while, like download early versions of Reason, download early versions of uh, of, of FL Studio, which like fucking you know at the time was like Chinese. And 
trying to understand the sequences and trying to understand these things because I'm, I'm I come from a Photoshop mind. You know what I mean? I, I work with layers, and I was trying to understand how I can. So you were doing. So if I can just pause you then. So at the same time as you were doing the music, then you were also fucking around with stuff like Photoshop back in high school. Absolute fun, bro. For absolute okay. fun. I used to edit cars at the time. Like I used to I used to I used to get pictures of like regular cars and literally like try to like keep a hyper realistic finish to them but modifying them, you know. And I did that for fun and then I even like landed on Lowrider magazine, like the website, like featurette you know where they put like all cool stuff you know like that they land on on their blog and shit you know as a That's kid amazing. i was like i was like yeah i was like wow like this is like whoa you know so you're doing this as like a really young kid yeah man i'm talking about like bro, 1997 i was like what, 12 dude you know that's I mean? incredible 13. i think it's cool and why it's cool just on top of that is because yo a lot of people like might have 12 year old kids soon because i know a lot of people watching this as parents and just seeing like what you become after encouraging some of this shit when they're young you know yeah, like, man, i think you that's an important thing to document also like my my parents and no disrespect to them they were great but they were like yo put that shit to the side math and science your life and i'm like yo those were actually useful skills but i ended up applying math and science to music and that's just kind of pivoted back to that so that's why i have why no I, idea I, I tried to show them like measures and like i have electricians in my family you know what i mean that that like like I almost like tried to get them to advocate. I'm like, yo, can you tell them like I, I understand what hertz and ohms and impedance and amps and this and like and, and like I get that and I use that every day with my right. ears too and with my creative side. So like can you like you know excite them? Like but like doesn't try and like they don't see it and that's okay, like you said, you know, like, God bless them. Like that's it's also that, like that's their yeah. scope, you know what I mean? I forget, I'm getting the feeling on your timeline you're a little bit older than me, but uh, still, when we grew up, uh, it wasn't like it was today. Our parents didn't grow up with Google. Our parents didn't grow up with the internet. Our parents didn't grow up with any of that shit. Back in that day, uh, you were taught, go to school, get a job, and you're set for life. You know, like, and that turned out to actually not be as true. Fun facts. It turned out to really not be that true. But I still don't blame them because I guess that they didn't have better information to act upon at that time when they were teaching us that stuff. So it's well, like, you know. There's that, there's that, there's that, but it's a two-sided thing. There's that and there's also the fact that it was transitional too, man. Like, it all happened, like, their, 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 their perspective was applicable and then it wasn't overnight. Right. It's like big it, facts. Like it wasn't a gradual fucking change, man. Like between the like the late seventies, eighties to nineties, like and like that 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 ten to fifteen year span, shit changed like the fucking last two hundred years before that changed. You know what I mean? Yes. Yo, I actually like I really love what you're saying. Like there's a lot of things I think people have this weird concept of like past history and stuff, but like even to expand uh, it, the identity of like a middle class individual is about a hundred to hundred and fifty years old invention of capitalism to sell product like everything about our life is a giant fucking experiment. So yeah, that's man. why it's like feudal age really, is right around the fucking corner, bro. Like, and that shit was a long time. And yo, I would even argue that we're currently undergoing the third phase of industrialization right now. And therefore, like, there's just a completely new future coming where, like, nobody's really, like, prepared for that. But we can get there a little bit later on because, I mean, at some point, your future is part of all of this, your story and shit. Um, but, yo, man, you're fucking smart. This is dope. Uh, but, yo, so you were basically fucking around with Photoshop. And I guess, were you also doing, like, video editing and stuff? Did you have access to the full Adobe's? 
uh at the time i had access to stuff like that but i didn't do no video editing per se until i really needed to uh more when i started making beats and stuff like that later on like i didn't really okay. get into video editing at first it was really just photoshop turns of pictures fair enough so you yeah. were saying though that because you have a photoshop mind and you see the world in layers you're you started having this different outlook and i really hope you can expand on that a whole bunch because i think that's super fucking interesting yeah man like layers whether opaque or like semi-translucent you know things th things when get when they get stacked might might give you know nuances changes or even abstract what's before or even you know protect or it's weird, man. It's but everything does work like that. People are, you know, built in layers. Uh, so is our processes. So is our clothes. So so it's like that. It's a common denominator as as many things are too. You know what I mean? And, and that that you might see patterns of, but that's a big one. Layers. Layers. Mm. That's really fascinating. So what what did what did you learn from like your music analysis over this time? How did that like happen? Cause that to me is like really worth sharing. Cause I don't think a lot of people think in a data driven way. So sharing that kind of shit kind of explains to them a bit how to do a music analysis. I'll tell you the trigger, the trigger was around with what we call the ringtone era. Uh, I come from the era, I come from the era where like, I, I, like I held music heart so hard, man, you know, like the whole craftsmanship of it and the way it's, it's promoted and, you know, shout outs to the legend soldier boy at the time, you know, we, like we misunderstood him for the, for the first, you know, yeah, you true. know what I mean? And like, I'm no hater, you know what I mean? So it, I, I investigated that sting. You know what I mean? That like, what is that? Why that? You know, and feeling that way, realize no, this is you know, I saw his genius, and I and like immediately, obviously, because because I'm because of my ear, he immediately won me over. Like I just saw his musicality, and I saw who this guy was. And, oh, okay, he's a fucking genius. Right. You know what I mean? He won me over within you know a very short period of time of him coming out, um, and that's what led me to really like search within myself you know like what else you know do i like what else i guess i went back and, and and listened and started from the beginning and started listening and at the same time it was the napster days you know what i mean it was the yeah. early napster days so we used to download i went back and downloaded all the stuff from my childhood the stuff that like it was almost like like, like i used to get a dopamine rush because without like what? Like before this time, it we would have had to have, to have some type of tape. Or somebody would have had to lend me to so I can copy it, or somebody would have had to give me a copy tape, or somebody had to tape it off the TV. Something. Now I got this on MP3 and it's on my computer. You know what I mean? And I went back and I analyzed all this stuff from the beginning from multiple genres, and then I started listening to really, really radical stuff that like I would land on dumps back in the days we had ftp dumps where, where like people had games movies porn music fucking dude from all over the world and like i'd have access to these servers and like i'd go on and just like swoop, download everything so an ftp yeah, dump do you want to yeah. just so when i talk to the new york guys i try yeah. to tell them nobody from montreal knows what you mean because they don't yeah. when they go you know what i mean yeah. so in the way that when we talk to the other audience i know what an ftp dump is <clears throat> 
But I know that because I work in a software company, which tells me that this is not something everybody fully understands. So for the people out there that don't know what an FTP dump is, I think you can expand on that because we can tie that into the music leak, music history era, and that's oh, fucking definitely. fire. Oh, so definitely. if you want to just touch on that a little bit, it would be cool. Um, even before the Napster era, FTP dumps were, were, were given to were, were shared on a chat platform back in the day called MIRC. And it's an internet relay chat base. And I used to meet people and chat there from all over the world in these rooms. And these moderators of these rooms, after you know, getting a liking to them, some of these guys were really, 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 really like advanced hackers. You know what I mean? And right. people like were very. When I mean hackers, not like oh, like what you think in fucking movies and criminals. No, when I mean hackers, like these guys were very cybernetically fucking advanced for somebody in 1997. You know what I mean? And they had access to bootlegs and and high quality, you know, digital versions of movies. Which what the fuck was even a digital version of anything in those days? We didn't get it. Like like oh, give me a, like ship me a tape. You know what I mean? And I understood what a codec meant in those days because you needed to download so much fucking software to amend your Windows media player in order to play these digital copies of anything. Right. And like these guys are the ones who taught me this shit. So an FTP site is basically, I would say theirs, but don't think about it as like as a physical computer of theirs that they locate. It's a server that, you know, they've rooted somewhere in the world. And rooted meaning like gained administrative access and they've they've basically used it as a computer that has a very strong connection at the time because we we're all mostly on dial-up these people had fucking university like connections and, and and bank connections which run on super high speed connections at the time uh connected to servers in order to dump software which was ripped software at the time we, we called it wares uh, and they fucking shipped all that stuff and movies and like I said, porn and games and at the same time we they used to dump music, mm. shitloads of it from all over the fucking world. Like obviously the popular everyday pop culture top forty shit, all the way down to like stuff that's been like digitally backed up off of somebody's vinyl collection. You know what I mean? From the grandpa's vinyl collection in Portugal. So like. During that time, keeping my ear from stuff like this all the way to obviously what's on TV and what's going on and friends and stuff. The next few years really shaped me to be like, I know what is, or I think I can translate what is good music. Okay. And I started. So... I think what you just shared is super interesting because one of the other things I like to do with this channel is look at the then and the now. And part of this third phase of industrialization is having to adopt the internet and technology. Um, but what's cool about your story is you're not the first guy I've talked to who was really internet savvy back in the day. And one could argue that this gave you a huge advantage throughout your career. Being able to Photoshop has got to have saved you a fuck ton of money over time. You yeah, know, being able yeah. to be... So, like, in this era now... Well, let's be real, being able to pick up an application and figure out how it works in a short period of time and use that tool to your advantage is a skill that being able to do quickly equals more money faster. You can see how like embracing the internet um, early on gave you this like edge in a sense. 
and being able to be present and see things not necessarily like it's the only thing but to be able to you people who weren't online didn't get access to that right mm. that's just kind of what it was mm. so you got knowledge on the internet at an early age and we're utilizing right. the internet as a source so nowadays right. everyone knows the internet's as a source of knowledge but sometimes we're a little bit scared to go into new platforms and new ventures online so what i'm saying is is we, we can take from your st like listen man if you were to say ftp server to me back in those days i would have fucking ran away and hit you know like that's how big and scary these terms really are and i really? think in a lot of ways modern systems are just as big and scary but the fact is there was a huge advantage to you being there and that's what's really interesting. You just learned the shit as you went. You figured things out as you went along. You put two and two together. And that ended up being an instrumental part of you running a music analysis that fundamentally taught you what good music was. In a sense, people can do the same shit today. They now have access to all this music from a whole history of the world. They can run their own music analysis across genres, popular, whatever, and figure out the same kind of connections. But what I think is crazy is that you did it before it was cool or even like easier possible so that that's really interesting to me yeah man i mean i'm from the days where there wasn't something called a portable hard drive like i used to i used to unplug that shit right out the fucking tower wrap it in anti-static like you know sheets and put in my fucking coat and take six buses to somewhere <laughs> to, to, to to transfer some software you know what i mean um but even that's big. You know how many people have never done that and didn't even know that was a thing people had to do? And it's good because it teaches us all a little bit of humility for how easy things are today. Oh, man. Oh, man. Like, I saw the, I saw the curve and, like, I'm, I'm glad to have lived it and, and glad to have literally, like, utilized it through every one of its steps. And, yeah, man, it's gotten a whole lot easier now. A whole lot easier streamlined all right so after your music analysis when was it that you decided to start going and what was it that you started with and how did all that work out it was around uh 0405 i started uh started making uh beats by uh chopping a couple samples from old music that I like and stuff, I guess stuff that you can recognize and can't recognize depending. I, I used a bit of both, and uh, with some nice drum samples that I, you know, came upon, and they were already like I didn't know nothing about mixing at the time, but like, you know, thankfully they were you know kind of like pre-mixed, good sounds, you know, so they kind of fit good together. And I would just line them up on Cool Edit at the time before Adobe bought that company. Uh, and turned it to Adobe Audition. It was called the app called Cool, cool Edit, where you can just, it's a timeline uh, editor where you just, you know, line up your audio uh, clips and you can kind of affect the sound or clean it up to a certain degree, you know? And uh, within, you know, which shook me to my ground, within a very short period of time, I found myself like within months, like I think maybe, maybe four to five months, I found myself in New York uh, in a beat battle. Wait, what? In a, in a, yeah, because within within that period of, of time where like I, I my learning curve, I had started sending out stuff, you know, to certain people, and, and at the time it was the MySpace days and things like that. Uh, it kind of landed at the time on some people called iStandard, and like they evolved into a whole other monster today. But at the time, they were very like you know, such small movement and like at its at its roots, very pure. <clears throat> and uh, 
I made the pre-selection to get on to a beat, a beat battle in New York at a bar. And uh, one of the judges was Lenny S, which is from the Jay-Z camp. Okay. Very close, very close to him. And uh, a lot of people came up, you know, before me. Some people had, you know, very good beats, average beats. And what I taught at the time, my perspective was. And then there were some people that had, you know, very severe criticisms and some very good. And like, that's when, that that's when I'm like, it kind of added a lot of hair on my chest. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm like, oh, like I'm in fucking New York. And like, like, it's different. It's not home. You know what I mean? And like, it really, it, but it felt good. It gave me a rush. And I'm like, like, it can't be that bad. You know what I mean? <laughs> You know, like, and, and I was, but I was just like inside hoping that I wasn't gonna get a harsh criticism. And uh, after I went on, you know, like I saw the not the, not only the crowd was bumping, but like I saw the judges were bumping. That was the first time that like I ever saw somebody outside of anybody who gives a fuck about me. You know what I mean? Actually, right. bopped I do my know shit. What you mean. That's that's a that that was the first out, outside validation. And and and, 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 I'm, and I'm young at the time. Yeah, that's like, fucking huge. In my early twenties. So know? hold on. Let's stop for a quick second here because I do want to talk more about how MySpace worked in this part because I don't want to gloss over that. That's interesting. But you're from Montreal for the sake of this conversation and you already are doing a beat battle in New York, crushing shit at a young age. And people want to talk about how Montreal has not put in work to be places on the map. I just want to throw it out there. Nah, that's part of why we're doing it. I'm not trying to throw shade at anyone, but I think one of the more interesting parts of this channel has seen all of these efforts Montreal has done to be out there and it's really cool that you shared that because that is amazing and man and man and, man, and coming from a humble perspective i wouldn't even put myself amongst like you know the, 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 that top tier of when i say the guys who put in for the city or, or like mm. at, a, at the og level and things like that like yo shout out to, like 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 there's a lot of people that i even inspired from from my i would say my wave and my generation of people until now like like damn bro like no Montreal been putting a lot like I got my own qualms for, for whatever you want to call the scene of this or that whatever you know but to say that like you know peeps haven't been doing shit or there's nothing stuff oh god no come on man like we, we've been bubbling like 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 I'll give you stories so he, fucking days about people so you know? I have to admit like straight up once upon a time I was part of the problem um just on this subject because I like the idea of giving flowers today but like I started in 2012 and i watched everything kind of fall apart because let's say 2012 to 2014 is when certain things happened that had a lot of things change um in the scene um and so the live show situation kind of got fucked up a bit and part of it was drink prices went up i don't think people actually know how much that fucked shit up but when belmont yeah. dropped those 20 dollars pictures a lot of shit changed nobody wanted to yeah. go to belmont no more it is what it is and it's not disrespect to them but yo i can tell you you get rid of the 20 dollars pitcher selling point it becomes a lot fucking harder to tell a guy to come to this event 20 dollars yeah. rum and cokes was fucking huge anyway um it's a big way to tell somebody to tag along you know what i mean but um so i came in then but i was arrogant as shit and i was 25 so i already felt like i was old and i was super cocky and so i'm the kind of fucker that used to go, go around and talk about how everything's a problem and everything this and i'm gonna be the savior of montreal type bullshit whatever that was a stupid attitude i acknowledge that today but i'm actually dumbfounded 
by how much I'm discovering Montreal's history really is, which is why I'm grateful a guy like you is even here talking to us because, you know, after this, it just kind of adds to the bigger picture of Montreal's history. So I don't know. Who in Montreal, let's say when you got into it, who in Montreal was interesting to you at the time? Who can we give flowers to at that point in your career? Um, at, at the time, like, the people that were really killing it was Rest in Peace, Bad News Brown. Like, people, like, these are people, because, like, it's not necessarily somebody who whose music I would bump to the most, but, like, I knew at an early time in my craft that it's music business. It's two parts to it, and... I started looking at the people that were applying that second word, you know what I mean? And, you know, these, there was people like that that was doing it. There was, I mean, really, really pushing it. Like, like he was the only one at the time that was doing it, the Anglo side. He, he was out there hooking up producers and, like, people that were really working hard and, like, doing awesome stuff, too. It was people like dirt work, you know what I mean? Like, I saw what they were doing. I was like, yo, that's fucking inspiring. Like, yeah, thanks for the bits, uh, Spades. And stuff like that really pushed. And there was Millie Mills. These guys were fucking murdering shit. Magnum 357. Uh, These guys, these guys from 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 my standpoint, like as 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 a producer or as a as a musical person. These guys were not only artists that I saw were hot or fine-tuning their craft as they went along with the time, but they were also themselves or have somebody with them in their team that is applying the business side of things. And that's that's a really piqued my interest over everything else, you know what I mean? Because the city is overly saturated with talent, and that's not a bad thing, but when it comes to who's applying on a consistent basis the business ethics to their craft, it's, it's hard, man. It's a discipline, and it's and I don't take it on nobody. We, we don't. It, it, it's nah, it's, it's cool, man. Thing, yeah. <laughs> I hear what you're saying, but I only really asked that question because, again, I'm trying to document history, and we're going to rewind back to where you're at with your story after your competition, but I want to just shine light on the knowledge nugget you just shared, and it's the business side, and that, again, resonates heavy with me on this ego tip, right? Um, It took me a long time to recognize that maybe some of my musical choices were not things people really wanted to listen to. Like I wrote a song about corporate jargon and while it might be an impressive feat to some people, it, I remember my dude looking at me and going, dude, this sounds like a fucking meeting. I don't want to hear this. And that really resonated with me, right? Like I wrote a song that triggered him in that way. And so you start thinking a little bit differently about impact and stuff. So the business side is about fan acquisition. It's about stats. It's about accessibility. It's about, you know, actually compromising a little bit so i think it's interesting that you focused on that because personally i'm trying to figure out who takes the business side in this city currently that's half the reason i'm doing these interviews like who the fuck is taking their business seriously you know taking notes on everybody right now and i'm going to talk to everybody in the fucking city that's what it is anybody that wants to come here but yo um i love what you said there because i think that sometimes people don't take their business very seriously and uh they have a lot of talent and that was me once upon a time. So it really resonates with me. I started taking my business seriously. I started really working hard and blah, 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 and all the good shit. And, you know, life changed for me. It is what it is. 
Um, so I love that you're sharing this because to me it's big facts. And uh, let's go back to after that contest. So what ends up happening there? The judges are bopping. I think I cut you off. My bad about that. No worries, man. I can always tie back right back to it. Um, the judges, uh, you know, I see them bopping. Everybody's good. The, the DJ, the DJ spins the turntable back, and I'm ready for my feedback. Um, and then they hit me with it. They tell me my drums are knocking. That already like relieved me right away. Like your first word is a positive word. Like we're, we're already heading in the right fucking direction. You know what I mean? And then uh, next dude, which happens to be Jeru the Damager, by the way. No shit. Yeah. Oh boy. Said said everything is hot and that I'm mad original and then all I need right now is an engineer to mix my shit. Like to make it sound less muddy and like like make make, make the melody and the sample cut too and all that. And then Lenny S hit me with this. He's like, if I were to give this to Jadakiss, I would need a hook on these things. And he left me at that. Okay. That's the that's the day I became a producer. Bro, that's an insane thing. That's an insane fucking thing. Holy shit. Oh my gosh. I mean, I bet there's nothing in the world the person can say to you since that moment that would ever, like, ever. Nothing. We can't say a shit. You just got the validation most of us would pay for. That's nuts. And you earned it. You straight up earned it. How did MySpace play into that? Because I think you said MySpace, and that seemed really fucking interesting. Well, through MySpace, I connected with... It's not a story that I was found or anything. It's like, a, like it's a, I connected with like that those people, I standard that were putting together these local uh, beat battles in the states where they pre-selected the, uh, so, you know, some some producers and uh, you paid a fee and you went up and at a bar like this in front of prominent judges, you know what I mean, and a crowd to play your beats. So I, I got pre-selected to go one of those and I ended up going there. And then it's, it just so happened that they, that like like at the time, yeah, I knew Jay-Z, this, that, but like, like I didn't know Lenny S, who that was. I didn't know too much, you know, like I found out who J. Rude Damager is that same night because like other than hearing the name before, you know what I mean? I, like I didn't know the history about the dude, you know what I mean? And things like that. So I, um... that's what, that's how it came through. I think it's incredible, though, because what's really in a relatable sense is with social media today, it's not that different. Maybe it's harder, a lot harder to catch the attention of somebody. But I can tell you something. If you make a three-hour album review about Dead Prez's Let's Get Free or whatever it's called, Stick will share it. You know how I know? That really did happen. Stick shared my shit. And I'm like, oh, cool. Fuck everybody else. Stick liked my review. I don't yeah, care about man. anybody else. So, like, there are ways to attract celebrities on the internet. I can tell you, you know, as Lamef says, it is harder to get people engaged. But, you know what? I, I did a search on Twitch. How many interviews are there running at any given time? It's not a lot. That was just an opportunity to move here before because, mm. you know, one day it's going to be fucking everything, right? It's going to mm-hmm. be like super saturated land and shit. But maybe maybe my timing was for once fucking on point, okay? Because I'm never on point. I'm always behind on that shit, which is what it is a lot, you know? You know, uh, on, I gotta get it early. <laughs> my dad told me about Bitcoin in 2010 and I just oh, laughed it going. off. Don't get me going. <laughs> um, 
Finesse's kind of <laughs> yeah, Bitcoin's another chapter, man. But um, anyhow, um, that's actually a really interesting thing. But I love the fact that MySpace was something you utilized because you took advantage of the social media of the day was more the bigger point. And with that, you created an opportunity for yourself. And in a sense, I like that because I'm trying to take advantage of the social media of today. And I got to talk to Iron Solomon on this very channel very recently. And that fucked me up because people have heard of him. And I didn't even know who he was. So I discovered who Iron Solomon was. And then people got really excited. So I love a lot of your story because I can kind of relate to, to things in it, which is fucking cool. So that's really dope, man. I like that. Thank you again for sharing so far. Um, I, I know I'm overexerting it, but we are Montreal. I'm oh, Canadian. Bless. It is what the fuck it is. I'd rather be over like in that direction than not. <clears throat> so, hey. um, so what happened after that? You got your flowers from everybody on that stage. Yeah. It sounds like those are high praises you got. And then you came back home. Came back home. <clears throat> hungry as ever. And then uh, grinded, you know. I'm, I'm early 20s, you know, working a job, finding out what I'm doing. At the time, I had a computer background in, uh, in cybersecurity. And then uh, I kind of left that and kind of like tried to pursue you know, going up into the nine to five echelon in retail, starting with like selling cell phones, the fucking clothes, the whatever. And eventually throughout that path, uh, working up all the way to like administrative positions and things like that when it comes to, you know, the, 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 that whole scene. But during that time, uh, I'd say between 05 to late 07, that two and a half, just under three years, that's what, what I pretty much did. And I just worked on my craft, man. Like, I I didn't even, like, other like other than, like, throwing beats with, like, certain people I started working with. Yeah, there was certain artists that gravitated towards me, local people. Um, home slices, like Pete Cheddar. Uh, people, people, like people, really put me on from the beginning. Oh, the guy does beats, and all this guy does beats, this, that, and the other, and it really grew. But it's when in '08, when the former G Unit uh, manager, CEO, um, made this this conference called it like he made it called it a one stop shop producer conference, where he rented out like a hotel like hall. Uh, and he invited like the elite of like fucking producers and artists and shit, and 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 then people like me, like young producers, would fly out there, and then it's like a whole fucking two day seminar and all that. And then it's through I Standard that I found that out too, because they were hosting a beat battle there too. That's and they were hosting it in, in in Arizona, Phoenix, Arizona. And then I flew out there. But that's super interesting, too, because it shows the power of networking online, which is something that, again, is super replicatable today. And in a lot of ways, a lot of the people, because there's people in the chat right now going off. And in a lot of these ways, these are all people, in a sense, trying to create this online network. And it's why I think Twitch is super fascinating. I'm watching how the DJs utilize it. 
and the DJs have collectives behind the scenes. You know how I know this? Because they got schedules and shit where all the DJs are on at certain times of days and they're really fucking organized and they are absolutely raiding each other's channels. Raiding on Twitch is when you like jump on the next guy's channel and bring all your viewers over onto their shit and then you can auto host. And so in a lot of ways, what you're describing is like a precursor to what's actually going down on Twitch. Like when you look in gaming land, it gets even more big with how much they fucking organize to this extent. So I think it's crazy how you're, you experienced in this MySpace era, a lot of what the modern kind of world is turning into. You are like a guy people really should be fucking listening to when you have opinions on stuff is my little opinion over here so far. That's fucking nuts, dude. Um, so off the jump, uh, you're learning a whole bunch of shit. Okay, Lamef out there is making fun of me because uh, he made a comment about how I didn't have uh, about raids and I'm talking about it now because I had a bunch of traffic on like two streams and I could have raided and that makes me look fucking good and both times I just fucking clicked off and he's like, dude, raid! Lamef, shout that guy out. He showed me a lot about the potential of Twitch. He has a channel where he's playing Minecraft and shit and he fucking spits freestyles. And that that's just dope. Like, yo, he just spits freestyles. I've seen him go for like twenty minutes. Sometimes he will open up the beat making that's program, nice. start fucking flexing on it. So in my head, I'm going a guy like you. You just do your fucking job on Twitch within reason. At least on the beat making side, just live on Twitch, and you're fucking just moving up in a whole fucking world. You know, like it's a whole other universe over here. So I think it's really cool because in a way, you're kind of helping my business case for why artists should come into Twitch in the first place because of the networking potential of organizing under bigger banners time, and shit man. down the line. Big time. Um, yeah, also apparently euros. You can get tips in euros from the European gaming market, which is fucking cool. Anyhow, that's dope. Actually, I bought some shit in euros today. It was more expensive than you know, dollars. It is what it is. <laughs> um, so yeah, when when do you start to like go more serious with it? So you're cruising around, you're learning and working on your craft, which is fucking crazy too. Because a, there's the humility in recognizing you have to improve. You're putting the time in improving, and this is a lot with production in terms of beat making and mixing yeah. and all of that stuff. Yeah. And then uh, what happens next? When does it go to like a new era? What is the new era? The new era is the 2010 era is when we entered the new decade. That's when I clicked with uh, my 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 boy Pichetta and, and a bunch of other guys from the city, and we went under the banner of Hustle Cartel at the time. That's okay. when that's when I really met the Montreal rap slash music scene on on a lot of its on a lot of its aspects. You know what I mean? um that's when i met all the previously mentioned names and got to know who they are and things like that at least from an artistic standpoint um yeah, that's a pretty fucking good era to start i don't think people realize that like 2008 to 2012 could be qualified as a golden era for montreal oh, definitely music. oh yes. as in we was popping like let me tell you when i did my first show it was june 2nd 2012 just to give you some insight into the era i'm gonna be real there's nobody on that thing that's named like we're talking early like make way and shit like you know buds is at this show i have a video of it so that's how i know buds is right there in the front being a you know he's hyping it up big ups buds for that and it's like all small names but we had like this girl doing live painting and shit and i swear there was like 80 people 90 people at this little event for my first ever show you look at a show in 2020 and that seems like an implausible number but like that was a shitty show the good shows were actually pulling numbers like you you could you could actually see fire fucking numbers going up 
anyhow, um, yeah, I forgot what I was saying. I saw a comment that distracted me. But uh, basically, yeah, so that was just the golden era. And I want you to know that when he's coming into it, we're talking about like some real shit is happening in the scene. So when he's saying these names, these are like, I would call them Montreal legends. Everybody that he, li I don't actually know the guy that in your hustle cartel, those guys I'm not actually as familiar with. But all the other names that you mentioned, I would argue, are absolutely Montreal legends. I have a big respect Definitely. on giving them that. So, yeah, anyway, back to you and what it's like being in that era coming into it. Um, I would say it was it's a mix of intimidating, but at the same time, when you when you know your craft and you and you and you know what you're doing, and thankfully, at the same time, I had somewhat of some confidence building during those days, and you just go forth with it, you know. And I felt like it was being part of a league almost. Mm. It almost felt like I'm past tryouts. Like, like I had past tryouts in terms of being in that local sport and I was kind of in a, in a, like allowed on the rink now. You know what I mean? I'm allowed to skate on that rink now. I kind of earned that. That's, that's how, that's how it felt. How it felt at that time. And just like any other novice, you know what I mean? At the time, um, I played good. I skated hard and I tried, I tried to show that like I have a good head on my shoulders and you take, you take, you take tumbles, you know what I mean? And then you scrape knees, but like at the same time, you, you get a lot of, a lot of nods and cheers because of, you know, what you, what you do. So that it was, it was, it was almost like a fucking, uh, one of those uh, Disney sports movies, you know what I mean? Those type of areas are fucking Mighty Duck days, right? So like, were you like in a studio at the time? Were you just making beats? Like, I was how... making beats at home. I was making beats at home, man. And believe it or not, I started on Logitech 2.1s, meaning like the two small speakers with the small subwoofer, the gaming, the gaming systems. Because I didn't, I didn't totally understand monitors, especially my first year. And at the time, just to like, be clear, we mean like the speaker YouTube. monitors, right? Correct. And at the time, like, I was so hungry for that knowledge, and there was no YouTube or anything like that at the time. It was very early. It was, like, 05, and, like, YouTube was very early. And I don't, like, I couldn't find this type of stuff. And as much as I could find, I'm like, okay, monitor, speaker, that. I didn't know where to put the investment. So at the time, I just ran with what I had for the moment mm. until I can gain. And, and very shortly after, like, I landed on the KRKs, this, that, all that stuff. But early on, like, I just had the Logitechs. So I used those, and then uh, whatever I outputted, I'd put it on CD. Like I would stem out everything and put it on CD at the time, um, and bring it to studios at the time. Red Rhino, shout out to, to Drex. Okay. And uh, he'd he'd have the stuff mixed at the studio downtown. You know what I like about what you said there? It's another knowledge nugget, and I think something uh, that people can learn from that is how to deal with obstacles. Sometimes, and I've been guilty of this myself, <clears throat> we get caught by, I think it's called the toolbox paradigm or some bullshit. Uh, basically, the idea is we think we need certain tools to start our project. And in some cases, we do need certain tools to start our project, right? Like the it's minimal, to make it. yeah, the minimal stuff, the elemental stuff. 
but I feel like in a lot of ways we make it way more complex. So what you mm-hmm. did is you didn't have access to maybe the better speakers at that point in your life. So it sounds like you say, fuck it, I'm going to use these speakers. But you also weren't willing to compromise your sound quality. So you figured, whatever, how can I work around this? And your solution is do as much work as you can and then go where you can get it all finished and get it banged out. Correct. And I think that's actually really incredible to share with people because that translates a lot into a lot of our current struggles. Like, yo, check it. I wanted to make a lyric video real quick for a contest thing, right? I could have fucking spent real money or I download some shit with a watermark. So I did that and it was free and it was easy. It took a half hour and then I put my shit out and I was happy with it. You know, like you just use what's in front of your face sometimes and use the opportunities that are there. Now, I'm not saying that you can skirt all costs, but I love the fact that what you did was maneuver a solution that gave you the perfect outcome within a realistic and sustainable way. Because I believe that methodology is pretty sustainable over time, right? You mitigate your costs and you make it as good as you can get it. Yeah, I only I only I only took out what like stuff that was going to be trying to like, you know, trying to get to a release quality you know what i mean everything else was good enough for me to bump in the car you know what i mean but, but like anything else i i wanted to take to release so yeah that's what we do studio so yeah it was definitely cost effective that's amazing um so i guess at this time you're making beats are you going to the shows you're hanging out with people or are you kind of like okay, yeah man all of it everything going to the shows uh trying to network with everybody um at the time just going even harder on my craft and then at the same time main, maintaining my nine to fives and this and that and um things can th- th- things piled up and then like the there's a certain frustration that an artist gets especially like uh i think it's because of my, of my painter background or like you know my drawing background um we like projects, we like releases, we like launches. We, I don't know, something about that. Um, because I, I met some peers where, where that were just fine to just create, create, create and stack hard drives. Um, I was fine doing that as long as I was perfecting my craft. But like in between all that and somewhere like I want to present, I want to launch, I want to publish, right. I want to show, I want to put something in the works. And that, and that and that's what really tickled my first senses of like I want to start doing this thing as a business too. You know what I mean? When was this? This is like 2011, 2012. Okay, so you've been in the scene for a little bit. You're you're with people who are into creating, um, but you're into execution, and that Correct. probably relates to because you. What was your day job at that time? At that time, uh, I was working with the bank at the time. I was working uh, as an advisor with the bank on customer service. Uh, before that, it was, I was I was I was literally back in retail again. Like I told you, I was uh, working in electronics and retail. Then uh, I left a little bit after the. Uh, the whole ordeal with, uh, with these guys because a lot of a lot of these stores were closing down on me. I worked at uh, like a Bell Mobility, and then they would close down. I'm like, okay, what the fuck is going on? I mean, you know, you know, when you, when you walk in, they're right. like, okay, guys, we're shutting down. I'm like, what is going on? Um, 
I took a little time off of that, and then I I worked my way up to a nice position, um, administering like a, a condo for like five years, which got me a nice position at the Sears at Fairview before it shut down. Yeah, that's dope. I like that. And that was the highest level of, of I was I was I was one of the the, direct, the three directors that ran the store there. I was I was the director of customer service at the point. Um, recruiting staff, this, that, training, all that stuff, and overseeing the whole three, three, like three floors at, at the Fairview Mall in the West Island. Um, that was like three, almost four years ago now. That yeah, I that's left. crazy though. No, but just in general, why I think it's really cool to share that is like I'm still employed at my day job, right? Mm-hmm. Like I've been at the same company for mm-hmm. 10 years, mm-hmm. moved up from a call center into middle management and shit, but. I don't think I'd be sitting here talking to you if I didn't have that job, right? Like I haven't achieved that level of security in my life. And something I realized is there's like this glorification of being a starving artist out there that I'm not personally into. I'm a very fed artist. It lets me think clearer. And I feel like it's just better for my life to eat and try to be healthy and shit, you know? So um, I kept my job the whole time, I guess. That's what what I'm saying. But part of your journey and part of, I'm assuming part of your ability to live this life, it was the fact that you were employed and that you did hold that down. But also it's cool that you rose up, right? Like you didn't just stay static in it. Like there was an ambition in the day job. So like. Oh yeah, both sides of the thing. And, and, And even within that, I never took it really much as like a, career i just looked at it as like i'm gonna i'm gonna still achieve that whatever i do in that lane and i still have like sideline projects that where i'm trying to green light with that with, with that income itself which also is hard especially like which is like another like common subject that everybody knows that uh, you know most people are fucking underpaid for whatever they're doing you know what i mean and it's hard to to, to really have some overage of from your take home you know yeah, no, but it, it's cool that you have that just because I can see a lot of like, look, project management is a, a really important tool, in my opinion, to accomplish music. It's like, I mean, an album is simply a project. And if you manage it effectively, you put it out, right? Like at the end of the day. Right. And I think like you just dropped a couple of things that made it sound like, you know, project management's your shit too. Because part of project management oh, is time. the completion of the goals you set out to do. Right. And it's not just sitting in limbo forever. But I also remember the eras in my life where I met a lot of people that wanted to sit in limbo. So I feel what you're saying there. But let's go back to 2011 or 12 or at that point. How does it progress for you as you're building up this uh, universe? How, how does that build up for you? Man, the, the, during those days, uh, like I doubled, those, those were the odd job days. Um, between 2011, I had those, uh, the, like the, the condo job. And on the side, I would do, I would dabble with like helping, you know, videographers on set with whatever it was, just because of my background in selling electronics. It, all, it also comprised of selling actual cameras and lenses. Okay. So, I kind of, so because because I was a bit versed in that, it kind of helped me navigate myself on set with certain guys that were starting out, and it, and they and they felt that like. Like it was good to have that for, for themselves as an edge, just somebody who knows the, the terms and the lingos, especially when they're going to rent equipment. You know what I mean? You know somebody who understands what the fuck is going on more than they do. And uh, so that's what I did in the beginning. 
and then eventually at the same like at the same time building my craft and then uh, that's when i really started working in depth with uh, uh p cheddar and uh that's when we really started work, like really sharpening each other in terms of like making a record not just throwing raps over a beat sharpen okay. him as a sharpen him as a writer and sharpen me as a producer as opposed to a rapper and a beat maker I like that. I like the way you made that distinction. So it's more about. Can we clarify it a little more, just for the people out there? Um, rapper, beatmaker, rapper. You know, the basic term of it is you put, you know, in a in a witty format, a bunch of rhymes in a sequence over a nice beat, which is pretty much the same thing, but in a sonic manner. Well, so they both sonic, but anyway, for lack of better words. Um, whereas a writer and a, and a producer have more in mind of a, a predetermined vague vision or it could be precise enough, but like a certain guideline of what they see, want to hear on the beat and, they, and then they apply that guideline as they craft said beat or said song, you know? That's that's the main difference of it. There's an actual guy instead of just hey, I got some bars and here's a beat. Thank you. Okay. But there's many levels to that. That's that that that's a that's a very very multi like I said multi layered comes like like theme or, or topic because a lot of people say yeah, but if you send the beat to somebody that you just did and then they rapped on it, did they, they you produced it right? Yes, I did, but I think what well, doesn't mean you said it's a beat maker. See, that might create a nice little controversy. With it. No, hold yeah. on just one quick second. Shout out Golden Jenny for following. It's the rules on Twitch. If somebody follows, oh, you have to shout them out. Oh, um, but I want to just touch on that. I don't think you're wrong. I actually really agree with you because um, mm. I'm a songwriter more than I'm a rapper. And that's right. how I would define myself first as a writer. Uh, I do love hip hop and I try to make myself a better MC over time. But my artistic choices are not to be the best rapper. It is to create the best song based on my skill set and ability at the time. Yeah. Man. So like to me, there is this huge distinction. Um, and I think that even if it might create controversy in the mind of some people, at the end of the day, I see you as a specialist who has studied the industry. I mean, all you have to do is look at the Grammys to see that there's record of the year and songwriter of the year, and those are two different things, and one of them includes uh, the the writer and one of them does not. So evidently, there's two separate things right there on one mm -hmm. end of it. So these kinds of distinctions are not necessarily wrong. They're just a matter of just words and what they mean. So even if people might disagree with you, that's not really like to me a huge concern because I, I think what you're saying is important to define. It's not saying one is better than the other. There is a huge fucking market for rap. Just guys rapping over a beat with no sense of song structure or caring. A huge market for that. Are they songs? Probably. Yeah, I would not say they're not songs, but you could say that the emphasis on what you're trying to create as a final product are completely different in terms of what I'm perceiving from your songwriter producer thing versus beat maker and, and, and rapper. So is one better than the other? Ah, that's not up for that's not even what we're talking about. We're just defining what these things mean. So that's yeah. why you can feel free to say what you want, because that's all we're doing. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. So, I mean, I definitely think it's a good distinction to make. And I think that <clears throat> a little bit it has to do with marketable products too, 
right? Not necessarily even marketable products, but creating a product and the kind of product that you want to create. So I would argue the main difference would be structure and intent, right? Like that's what it's going to boil down to. You're going to have, I don't know, what, what would you say is the more defined version of the structure? How would you, what would you say that transition look like for you in a literal sense? The structure of like the records itself or like the, the... Yeah, like let's say you went from this way of making songs and things and you evolved into a new thing. To find that process a little bit to us because again, this is your story. It's almost it's almost it's it's almost like it takes you back a bit in the beginning because you realize that besides it being an artistic thing, it's almost like an engineered thing. There's no, there's an approach to it. Um I didn't quite have that more than like, you know, taking apart like little toy cars or whatever, understanding the engineering part because a mix literally makes or breaks a producer. You know what I mean? Uh, a lot of a lot of what you want to translate through your sound is also in the mix. A lot of how you texture your sound is the mix. So it's a lot of people say, yeah, I'm not the best at mixing, but I can still make these. Yes. But like, a certain amount of mixing will help you also produce. So that's that that's that that was my my uphill during that phase. Um which is also the phase where I, I upgraded my speakers. Which is which is where I got my monitors, which is where I tuned my ears. This is this is this is where I built my, my ears. Okay, next... talk about that. What does tune your ears mean? Ah, man. Um at the early phase of tuning my ears, I, I, I understood it as is make a lot of different things, feel a lot of different sounds and see how they translate out of speakers and see how they work together, see how like playing three different bases, what would, what would what happens. And you really, just, just, just building like a predetermined set of what my ear knows that way I can program what I want before I can conceive it, meaning understanding how your paint works and understanding how your brush works. So you don't need to start painting before you envision something. Mm. I was going to say, it sounds a lot like cooking. So yeah, man. I went through this process with cooking where I don't necessarily know how to cook well, but I know what a lot of different spices taste like with a lot of different spices. And I did that because you just kind of run it like scientific. This time That's I'm going to add rosemary. This time I'm going to go no rosemary. This time I'll subtract garlic. This time I'll... And it, to me, the way it sounds like you trained your ear was to use the tools at your disposal inside of the various programs that you had at your disposal and literally just figure out what everything, everything, everything did. And that's super interesting to me. And I think mm -hmm. why it's extra interesting is because... <clears throat> Why I like my sound guy is because of his mix. I, um, some people might not like the mix he produces. That's fine. I like the mix he produces, which makes me super fucking happy with it, right? Um, and I like it because he mixes more for like a rock ear than like a hip hop ear. So the music is more squished into the vocals. And I'm a huge punk rock guy and I fucking love the sound. So it's like, whatever. I also accept that if I want to be in hip hop, maybe I should not necessarily continue to use that focal point. Because on the other hand... Uh, Everyone else doesn't agree with me on this one. I found out after. So we, we, we fucking around and doing different kinds of stuff mm -hmm. now. But end of the day, it's that like quality of mixing, just that kind of a decision. Like, 
how far into the mix your vocals that creates like all this style and all this extra shit. So I think it's fucking like, like I'm not that into that side of things because I'm not very patient. I rather work on my voice personally. But I love the fact that like at the end of the day to become good at it, there's no way around it. You can go watch a YouTube tutorial that'll give you a five minute pre-mix solution, but then you're gonna kind of sound like everybody else using that same YouTube five minute thing. Right. But my engineer went to school, learned a bunch of science shit. So for him, it's like an art form to engineer mm. correctly. And in the same way, I get the feeling you were you took it with that same kind of approach and used it like like it's cooking, like it's art, and you just fucking got into the science of it in a way that many 100%. of us approach other elements of it. And I think that's fucking beautiful because to me, you're right, yo. Listen, I don't sound good when I give my raw vocals. I played, look, I'm into song Lose Weight. Some people felt it. But when I played an unmixed version of my vocals in front of the next dude, he's just like, it sounds like ass. And he was right. It did sound like ass. My engineer made it sound brilliant. And I don't think people give enough fucking credit and fucking flowers and love to engineers and hip hop. Oh, nowhere like, near, man. Nowhere near. And I'm not, like, again, saying that because of who you are. Like, I'm literally at the point, like I said at the very beginning, for those that are just joining us, I want my engineer to be, like, the Ryan Lewis to my Macklemore. Because, like, yeah, honestly, man. it's shit, so... Shit. Shout out to the engineers, man. Because, yo, like, I call him my wizard. Because that's kind of, like, what fucking happens is, yo, shout out Merker for watching. Merker apparently doesn't stick around. So the fact that Merker's still with us is big news bears, man. That's cool. That's all you. You being fucking interested in shit. <laughs> But like, um, no, shout out to engineers for real, because to me, like, listen, you guys are artists as that's why it was such a pleasure to get you here so early on in this behind that suit shit to let to, to let the, the engineers and the producers and shit know that y'all are like fucking important to me and to Montreal and to everything else out there, because like, listen, as much as the rappers might want to define their sound, like I was saying a bit before off camera, I'm pretty sure it's guys like you and guys like Merker and guys that actually make beats and shit that are ultimately going to be the people that define the sound of the city, so to speak, more than anyone else. Because really, we all come to you for our beats. We all come to you for the services. You touch so many people, young and old, that it's fucking crazy. You have influence. I, I Maybe I get influence one day. But I've seen a range of names that you are touching that are fucking people I have on my watch list. An example being the Talia Montreal girl. That chick is destined for some shit. And what Don Dada's oh, right yeah. there working with her. And I'm like, oh my fucking God. Don Dada's pulse is right shit, fucking shout there. Out, shout out to Sauce, man. Like my main my main boy who puts all that together, man. He's a dot connector. He's the guy who brings this one, that one, this one, that one, me. You know what I mean? We're just a bunch of nodes and it's crazy, like that's his talent, you know what I mean? His art. Ooh. He 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 like uh, like my like my main man, man and also manager. Like he also like it's a, like a dot connector for a lot of people in their lives, you know what I mean? And more than that to a lot of other people too. But um it's crazy like how 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 he his picture his picture how it's painted is that they like they see he sees like the, the whole broad connection of like people working together, like this guy with this artist with this. Like I'm sure they can generate something. And he and, and he and he's and he's like the he's got the gambling personality where like he's like, I bet it would fucking generate something fucking dope. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's hilarious. And but and and bro, like and, and check it out, man. Like we fucking, you know, and it, it works. You know what I mean? That formula fucking works, dude. So basically, you have a guy that hooks you up with the right people to get your yeah, shit magic. Man. Yeah, that's man. super fascinating. Everything. That's a, from engineers to artists to writers to this to that to this to that. 
know what I so mean? So there's like a, a huge need in the city then for like dot connectors. Is something. Oh man. Because oh, if we're man. like trying to say what would solve the Montreal problem, I don't think a lot of people think it's a lack of talent. I mean, listen, man, I can tell you that you can pick a genre of music mm. and an age group mm. and a gender and a community, and there's like 15 people ready to go out of town in the fucking world in Montreal at least. And that's just Montreal, right? I'm telling you, man, I'm telling you, like, we're just a bunch of floating, like, you know, like planets or rocks or whatever, man. And, and like, these guys are like the pole that keeps that shit together, you know what I so, mean? Yeah. That's why we got to oh. basically, so I guess if people want to actually solve the problem, that's the job. I'm trying to make this channel here a hub for people to get that history, to see how to get things done and shit. So I'm not even trying to say I'm anything fucking like huge or special, but like to me, it's kind of in line with what you're saying. The city needs like dot connectors, people to like put the strings of greatness together. Like how many yeah. people don't even know that you exist and they should know you exist. That's insanity. But the truth is, unfortunately, if you Google our city, it's not in the best shape. We're all working on that. We're going to fucking fix this shit. We'll figure it out. But that's why it's great that you're here. Because, yo, man, I feel like already you taught us a whole bunch of interesting shit on how you approached it. But, yo, also that dot connector thing. Huge time knowledge fucking nugget, yo. Because, yo, and I never really thought about it from that point of view, right? Shout out Spades for the bits. Um, bits is when they give little penny donations. It's fucking cool. Twitch is dope oh. like that. So shout out Spades. That's when you say something significant or whatever. We also just shouted him out. So big love to Spades. But yo, for real, that's what he's trying to do right now. It's basically kind of like go out there and get all the beat makers, get all the peoples, get everybody connected. We're trying to fit like there's this contest grind that's evolving now in Facebook groups where like people's, you know, trying to like bond together and like, you know, do some shit. So like I partnered with Peter West for my January contest. He's going to supply the beat. Bunch of rappers come through, put up a hundo and best 16 takes it but it's really about getting people fucking together in these positive fucking kind of ways so like i love what you're saying because it's like you have a guy like that in your scene and he's really making 100%. the magic happen 100%. so that's cool man i'm really glad we're having this chat i feel like i'm gonna leave this in a vibe person with better ideas um that's crazy though i gotta ask a question though are those paintings behind you you yeah did man. you when did you get into like that kind of for real, real? Cause that's some fire shit that you have there. You got complimented earlier, but it just, you wanted you to know that. Respect, respect, respect. Shout out to whoever said that compliment. I'm not sure who did. Um, it's some, like I've been painting my whole life on and off and drawing, but like about a year and a half ago, I really found my style, which derives from like other people, dominantly like Keith Haring, Roy Lichtenstein, a lot of pop art, you know what I mean? And, I kind of find, I got, like, like they say, I found my pen. Once I found my pen, uh, I put it out there and like, I, I, I put it out under the name Pop Arcade, which is like a mirror reflection, almost like a deflection of the word Don Dada, you know what I mean? Pop Arcade, but at the same time, it's also a play on the word Pop Art. Oh, can, what, how did Don Dada come to be? I should have asked that. Oh, uh, that's a, that's a big time story, man. All right, so we'll um, finish this one, and then we'll ask the Don Dada story. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, you guys can check it out, man, on Instagram, Pop Arcade. Like, I, I didn't want to really personify myself as an, as an artist when, when I released that stuff. I didn't want to keep it a mystery either. But, uh, yeah, it's like uh, I do mashups of, of different pop culture icons and themes and things like that, and I, I put them together to create a hybrid of the, of the both so you can Yo, those are fucking see. cool dude i just linked it in the chat i have them open in front of me right now respect, i'm seeing like 
Buzz Lightyear and Aliens. Uh, it looks like Family Guy and one of the Street Fighter dudes. Uh, is that Biggie and the fucking uh, Kingpin? Kingpin. Yo, that, dude, this is nice. This is the benefit of online so, life. It's so easy to do this. So anybody <laughs> right now can click on that link I just shared, and they can actually see what the fuck we're talking about. Yeah, and if you're not, that, it's Pop Arcade. Dude, holy shit, you're good. And I like the fact that there's a style to it, like a, a consistent style to what yeah. you're doing with it. I love that. That's great. Um, I love signature, man, on everything. I, 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 I'm a sucker for anything that has signature, you know? That's even with cars, you know what I mean? Like some people like certain car models. I, I Like I follow this, I, I follow certain designers and, and like sometimes when they switch companies, you know, just to like admire the works they do. It's crazy. Yo, that's it's crazy. Like, just, because, just because of signature. Signature is everything. Yo, are you into fashion? Like you've never seen, and I've, I've I've never dabbled in terms of it, but I I I see like you've never seen. I love I love I love I love I love the emotions evoked by dress and 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 garments. Ooh, it can like it, it can it can both bo both re both received and given. Can you elaborate on that? What you mean by that? Sometimes you see somebody look good and it strikes mm. you a certain way. Sometimes somebody sees you dress good and it strikes you a certain way. Sometimes somebody sees you look good and it strikes you a certain way. Sometimes you see somebody else and you dress in a certain way and it strikes you a certain way. Right, right. Fashion, man, is so like, and, 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 it, and it translates a lot too. You know what I mean? It translates a lot. So How you feeling? Even if it's the opposite of what you're feeling, sometimes that is your cover. You know what I mean? That's... So I feel like I can empathize heavy with what you're saying. One of the yeah. things I didn't know would happen to me um, over the course of these interviews was learning about how important fashion really, really, really was. So okay. like, it's never been a huge thing to me. I lost a lot of weight this year, so none of my shit fits. And I'm like, mm -hmm. fuck it. It's non-essentials. I can't even fucking try shit on. Fuck that shit. Mm -hmm. But then I started talking to a lot of people and I realized that like, it, it is so important to everyone else, right? I look, I'm looking at some of my old pictures performing and I always perform in a suit, right? Yeah. And I don't even fit in these suits. I look fucking goofy and awkward. Like basically the only reason I got accepted is because I could rap. Not because I presented myself correctly. It was more like the opposite. Like I fucking saved myself because I was right. able to pull it off at the end of the day. And now it's like I'm looking at the situation and I care a lot more about the fashion and the elements and how I present myself. And it really is so powerful because people do perceive you a lot on what you look like. And whether or not you like it, there's, it's not necessarily judgment, but they're going to interpret things. So like you can look stylistically however you want. But there's yeah. like a clean and presentable way to present yourself where, where things kind of fit right. And then there's a way where you look like disheveled and you don't give a shit, which is not necessarily the wisest choice. So I think it's really cool that we you just brought it up like that because, I mean, I'm not trying to say that there's anything like good or bad about how to present yourself. It's right. just that if you present yourself like people, you care about yourself, people mm -hmm. respond well to that shit. 100%. That's, that's, that's a fact. That's a big, big fact. Um, whether 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 it's a clean look or a haggard look, if it's a if it's a look of vindication, you know what I mean, a look of a look of of, of, of a, it's your stance, it's who you are, it's authentic, you know what I mean. That's it.
it'll it'll it'll, it'll translate. But yeah, it's not about like, like I said, it's not about if it's haggard or clean. But yeah, definitely fashion does come as a big play, especially on a first introduction or as an artist, especially like your image is not only your shell but like it's your sheen <clears throat> meaning you know how like they say shine you know like uh, you gotta always be brilliant and this like that that is part of that brilliance your your shell your 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 cloth your cloaking your what you have on you know what i mean that's true man i mean i appreciate that a lot i actually like bought lights just to change the color in my room yeah. for the sake of aesthetics if i'm going to be doing oh, this a lot and it was crazy like my room looks like shit with normal light but it looks so much less like shit because of the red lights right now it's fucking nuts how like little changes can even have such a big impact um that's crazy though but your pop art stuff is cool your ability to do this is really crazy um just out of curiosity do you sell shit is that like a thing that you do just so we can plug you properly definitely like i I started selling some originals uh i offer some prints like like it says on the on the IG page and all that, so it's really on a on a, on a small basis. People just put in orders, and then like depending on the, the turnaround that I get, like I, I give them the estimate. If they're down with it, and they they pretty much pay for it, and then I complete it by the time that uh, that I got the, the estimate to do. That's for now, you know what I mean. Uh, before this whole uh, COVID shit, uh, I was planning uh, to do a, a gallery launch, you know, or some That's type of fire. thing like that. Okay, I have to ask you a serious question. Yeah. Do you mind if we pause for like two minutes, three minutes, no, so I can go man. pee? And go right uh, ahead, man. I'm gonna throw up a be right back and play your song for a couple of seconds, one of your tunes, and then Hang we up. can, and then I'll be right back. So everybody, please bear with me. It is what it is. Two wonderful fucking people, and look at that. Don Dada is back at the same time. I don't care what anyone says. As you get a little bit older, these bathroom breaks just make a better vibe. It is what it is. I don't care what anyone says. Um, it's not what it is when you're 20. And uh, I don't think a lot of people know that. And nobody told me it was coming. It is what it is. Anyway, people are learning about this only because it happens quite a bit often that I'm on these long-ass calls. And I just have to kind of be like, yo, can I go pee, please? So anyway, not that it's like to be weird with it. It's just kind of, I don't know, one of those things that keeps coming up in my life. Anyhow, um, let's go back to you, though. Um, You've done a lot of things in the last few years, and especially this year, it seems like it was a very big year. So let's talk about the pre-COVID and then move into what happened since COVID, because you seem to have been fucking busy this year is all I can say. Pre-COVID, I would say the last couple of years before COVID, I've been working with uh, Gabby Harvey real close. That's little sis at the same time. And like, uh, I took her upon myself with Sauce. Uh, and we really developed like her, her, her whole, like, you know, sound. She helped me develop my sound. And we kind of, we kind of grew with like a, like a, like a symmetry. And then Sauce also learned, you know, cut his teeth with the whole dot connecting thing because he, he's been a dot connector his whole life and like started doing that now with the whole beats and the music and the artistry and all that. And right before COVID, uh, it, mount, uh, it surmounted up to like, you know, us preparing projects and this like that, notably my Drop Last P projects, which 
the first two drop gods projects were just instrumental projects and this one was the first one where when did I that come to, out uh well it, it's still in the process of coming out it's basically all the songs that i have on okay. my uh on my spotify page all the ones that are there that are not part of the beat tapes that are actual songs like smile smile is on drop gods okay so that's like your track on an album in the way that like any one of the other producer dj dudes would put together their own album collecting artists in the city and correct. do anything with it correct correct okay and fresh sauce, sauce so smile much. is a big tune though yeah yeah sauce and art that brought that all that together and then what we did pre-covid literally like from like early december to like actually like mid, late november to like right before christmas I, I like just like maybe like 20 odd days I, w- I would bang out like 10 hour days where i'd bring in like two artists a day and, and try to do two records three records each and just to like create a pool of records that we picked from each show with the release and stuff it's crazy we did, like I, did, I think we had a total of like 35 37 records and so far we've released eight Okay. You know what I mean? So I definitely have heard a whole bunch of your stuff. Um, honestly, in the pool of things, I don't go that that deep as much as Spotify. I'm like, yo, there's a whole lot on a Spotify. There's tracks and there's a lot of beat stuff. Um, can I just say for your beats, yeah. I was walking up the street, I uh, just I bust into a freestyle. I just lasted for like, I don't know, 20 minutes. Just like your beats kept changing and like I couldn't stop, man. So let me tell you about what I loved about your beats. I'm not just a shit talker. I'm the kind of guy that likes it when like every little four bars, a little change up happens, a little something something goes down to flip it up to keep it alive. I like it when the, the person who creates the beat thinks a little bit ahead of time about structure and, you know, like, look, so I do hip hop karaoke or I did back when that was a thing, right? And uh, I will never forget the first time I heard the instrumental version of Ain't Nothing But a Gangster Party. It is not like the most interesting and riveting fucking instrumental. It really is Pac and Snoop that carry that entire fucking track. And that beat is like, whoa, that's actually not actually that. Like, you might love the song, but like without Pac and and, like just that instrumental, there's nothing going on there. Some of these beats are really kind of like whatever, whatever. But your shit was like full. And it was versatile. So... Um, I noticed that you released them in groups of three for the most part. There was also some singles I saw. Um, And I like the fact that each of these groups of three seem to be kind of set up to represent particular sounds or vibes or styles put together. I like your techno shit a bunch. That one one was fun as fuck. Um, I don't know if techno is the right term. I'm terrible with that. They all get mad at me. It's a loose term still. No. So yeah, why don't we talk a little bit about like what you're doing with that and why three tracks and a few of these choices you made and what you're actually hoping to do with these beats and stuff. The singles, the singles that you see out, those those are the those are part of the rollout for Drop Glass Three. These have these what I, these what I wanted to do originally was like a, a regular album rollout. COVID COVID made us adapt into. The never-ending rollout to see like eventually what we're doing while we're in the stands. It's almost like a stasis, like mm-hmm. like transit we're in, but it's it's not it's not dead. You know we're still putting out stuff and it's stasis. But at the same time, I uh, I started putting out little beat packs. Those are the little three packs that you see, and they're all themed. No red lights is 
how I felt when COVID hit, you know, and I said no red lights. So I put out a three a three beat pack and I put that out there. And it's writing music. It's all beats that I that I pictured that could be good for writing music. So like um, you yo, I got it, cause you gotta understand, you're inherent on this shit. Mm. I'm not a beat maker. Everything about being a beat maker, how you would market yourself, how you would do all this shit, producer, whatever the right term is. I'm blanket statementing it for the sake of conversation, but I recognize what you said before. Um, but like, why? I mean, like, I don't know. Because, yo, you have some dudes who's putting shit on SoundCloud with fucking tags in it. You have some shit that's going out there. Like, people basically could just steal your shit. Like, I could just load yeah. your shit on my Twitch right now. Although, it'll shut yeah. down Facebook. Facebook yeah. has your back. They'll block you. They'll yeah. block me from doing that. Oh, like, is, is this your intent with these beats? Like, is yeah. it for people? Yeah. Yeah, because they, they don't have they don't have nothing saying they have the exclusive rights to it. I I by default have the exclusive rights. Go and enjoy. If it pops, like you're definitely gonna hear from some type of lawyer. Like, <laughs> and it's not gonna be on a, on, an, on an aggressive front. It's just gonna be like, hey. Congratulations! You've sold fucking fifty thousand copies. You're you're lit. And if I like this song too, I'm like, bro, that's lit. But you owe me money. Mm. And let's do that's... this. And let's break. And let's break bread. And, and like, well, here and here here I got. And here here's another pack. You know what I mean? And and, the, and let's get into the studio. You know what I mean? No. But like, yeah. But I'm, like I'm, trying to, I'm trying to put myself out there. Yo, but it's nuts that you're doing this, right? Because yo, like. Like, just, just hear what he just said, yo. Because there's rappers right now that are probably tripping. Going, like, I don't have beats right now. And Don Dada, is that how I say it? Is it Don Dada? Don Dada uh, over here is like, yo, I put out these beat packs. Use them. If you get famous, pay me after. Don't ever talk about how nobody's giving back to the city ever fucking again. Okay, never. You hear the man right here literally put out effectively a Pickle, pixel pack or whatever fuck T-Pain did there with his free sample royalties he's put it out there everybody listening to this go follow Don Dada's fucking Spotify and shit I can link it in a second when he's talking again make sure you buy his shit on iTunes just to show love I don't know if it's on iTunes but if it is you know do all the fucking cool stuff because what he just okay. did is gave you an opportunity to like fucking flex on that shit if it's on TikTok go make some TikToks on that shit make his shit go fucking viral all day you hear that? Go on TikTok, everybody, and use Don Dada Beats and go rap some shit. You have the man's permission to go have fucking fun with it, okay? That Dude, that is incredible for all of us to hear. Thank me. Yo, literally Spades. I'm reposting everybody. Do you hear that? My, my man Spades just went really. He just fucking lit up in his mind. And uh, a lot of people are going to respond well to that, dude. Yo, we'll link you to Beats After Spades. Don't worry about that. I can, Actually, I'm going to fucking put them right now for the people there. I have your page open so you can just see it there. You'll see the names. You can fucking probably find them. And as he said, if you tag him, he's going to reshare what we do. So you can absolutely be sure you're going to see me spitting on one of these little fuckers for a minute and getting some fucking TikTok clout in at some point. Yo, Willie's tripping about this. Dude, you don't even understand how many people out there right now are paying like Amino Domini stacks and shit for like rights to a bunch of shit everyone else has when they could effectively be kind of coming to see you for the same thing and keeping well, it local. Well, well, yeah. I mean, they can come see me for the rights and there's like, some people like would want, you know, like I'm using these beat packs as something that like, the like I don't, like, I don't sell these as exclusives. These are always going to be something that people can go out and this and do something big. And if like, yeah, 
and if I get a little Nas X who comes out and makes a fucking number one hit, obviously like we'll figure out something, you know what I mean? But so I have a question. I'm not worried about that, you know you're what I mean? The, you're a beat maker. Mm. I'm not a beat maker. Mm. I think I understand terms. Everybody in here is rappers and shit. Plus Golden Jenny, shout out Golden Jenny for her fucking dope ass comments. She's been making this fucking lit chat too. I just want to shout them out, man, because all of their comments pop up on the screen and it just shows people people's actually watching this shit the whole way through. Cause when like we clip this after it's gonna be lit. So thank no, you all for being here. That's fucking fire, honestly. But um let's break down licensing. I don't think people understand licensing and copyright. If you can give us some like a little tutorial on that, I guarantee you this clip alone is going to be the most valuable thing the channel has put out in terms of education because you would know this shit probably better than any of us. I'll definitely put my insight for that. Um, licensing royalties, a lot of it is in stages. A lot of it is in, I mean, in, in layers once again. Um, the first layer meaning... You pay already what you do, which is in your, in what you think is free, is you paid it for the disclaimer on TikTok to use what they already paid other distributors to have the music on there to use the music. You can spit on it and it's free and it's no problem. You go viral with that thing, we obviously don't, we don't mean nothing. You know what I mean? Now, there's another license. You want to download the beat. And and, and, and and you want to spit on it and you want to just put it on your SoundCloud. It goes it goes and it gets you 150,000 plays and you already monetize your, your page. I, I don't care about, about that even. You know what I mean? Because th 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 I don't consider that one of the major distributors. But if it's something you're going to go and you're going to drop on, say, Spotify, Apple, this, like that, that's a licensing fee. But then if you want to make it part of your project now, like it's something that it's, it's not, it's not like you're saying remix. It's not like you're saying, uh, because I titled these pieces, you know what I mean? You would, in, in order for you to, to, to put it, it would have to be the remix. You know what I mean? So, and I'll just so approve it. I can go through and I could take one of your songs right now, theoretically, and put it right. on Spotify if I title it as a remix and you can approve that and say it's all good in the hood. I'll tell you why, because you're connecting me, my profile on mine, and I'm getting and I'm sharing the royalties with you. Amazing. I just didn't even know that that was an option for people out there. Cause I'm building, I'm building a catalog, but then if you really want it as an instrumental, you know what I mean? You want that specific song as a beat because you like, you would have to pay for, for, for the release of it that, that I only own the instrumental now to make money off because I already put it out. You know what I mean? It's already out. The, the, the beat so i'll make all that and you're buying me out of that those rights and, and which i don't relinquish publishing but you want to buy me out of like say the spotify guy that's that's a whole other scenario out of this, the streams and this and like mm. that because you want to you want to put it on your yeah. profile and stuff but no something i'm not here to work with people man nah i hear what you're saying dude and i think it's interesting because something i learned about samples and shit um is you have to clear samples twice is I don't think a lot of people know that you have to clear samples right. when the Please. beat maker guy fucking sells it to the artist that sample clearance one because the composition usually has a name at that point the the beat that you're buying is an original composition that has a name and shit you, it's part of like the actual terms and stuff then when you release it as a song it's a new thing 
because you've now so, added a whole layer. So now the sample owner has to go through the clearance cycle a whole second time or whatever, that whole shit, to get your recording of the track out. Um, yo, we have somebody that just said, this interview is making me feel like starting to learn how to make beats another fire interview. Fucking love that comment. Shout out iBeam2303. That's fucking dope, dog. That's a great moment here for us. That's all I'm trying to say. Um, dude, that's so fucking nifty that like we're, we're like talking about this. This is my favorite part of these interviews is this kinds of conversations. So what yeah. is uh, publishing? Do you, How would you define the publishing? That's the master's one, correct? That's when you own your master's publishing. It's, it's when you hold domain over what you do with your songs and, and, and how you can perform and what you release and whether you own them in totality or in majority, which is 51% or more, it puts you in the position of direction, meaning you decide what to do with these masses and songs and this and what to admit. Because sometimes you don't want to be part of something, you know? And, but, like, the label might force your hand and do it because say you're in a situation where you don't own that. That's, that's, the, that's the difference. So just to be clear, to summarize, publishing or masters, when you own the masters, like what Lil Wayne is selling, is the right mm -hmm. to distribute effectively. Mm -hmm. And whoever Correct. owns 51% or more has the right Correct. to distribute. And, and I believe collect. there is a copyright like. related to that. But there's a second copyright that's a songwriter copyright that cannot be sold based on Canadian and US copyright law. That would be the one of you as the composition guy of it. This I found out because I actually fucking Googled this shit because I wanted to find out how to credit people correctly, right? I don't actually fully know the percentages. One day I'm just gonna backlog pay people. Anyway, if ever money comes in, I'm backlog paying. I told my producer that straight up, that's what it is. I'm paying him now for licensings. <clears throat> um, but like, uh, basically, uh, there's like a second copyright that plays into this all right that has to do with who wrote the shit So what I learned is my dude Chris Chrome did an ad lib But he he wrote the ad lib in his delivery He just got 33% of the fucking songwriting half of it because then the producers half of it if I'm not mistaken That's how I understand it like 50% goes to the lyrics and the songwriting and 50% goes to the production and the instrumental side of it all And this is not sellable. This is just who the fuck wrote it gets this copyright yeah. and that's it That's all and however yeah. that that's why you end up with like 15 fucking songwriters because dude can just say a word and that technically counts in how this shit is put together am i am i correct in how i just said that yeah yeah man and, and like a lot of people might be credited as writers because of like who's in the sample who's in so, so, some people like some people got a piece of because of the a and r did they're on there you know what i mean they get included into the writers it's it's a very it's a very intricate layer of the publishing game the, the, the crediting I just think it's worth people like I don't know just just know that it is complicated like mm. and it even gets complicated with very copyright complex. Like, very complex like take say a music video it's not just the song that's copywritten in the music video the set design is copywritten um, the choreography is copywritten yeah. as in any dance moves and shit um, that you see are copywritten any logos blah blah, blah 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 all of that shit there's so many copyrights in place that people like often violate fair use because they don't actually let's say review 
all of the elements mm -hmm. that are copywritten inside of a particular video, which is why it's so much safer to just fuck with audio. You can actually review all the elements in a song pretty fucking quick, right? Yeah. Um, anyhow, so just the fact is that the world is that kind of complex and every artist should definitely look into that shit, in my opinion. But it's also important to understand that stuff because dealing with a guy like you, this is basically like your fucking bread and butter at the end of the day is these kind of licensing agreements and how all this works. Um, all I have to say, the man has given out basically free beats for you to use, which is fucking amazing and such a like a great thing. And I'm we make we make money together. You know what I mean? Like, you, like when you guys upload these things, and you link me, I see it. You don't link me, that's when I'll send you. I'll be like, hey, bro, link me. Like I'm not right here. Be like, what the fuck? Take it down. Link me. Then, then if you don't link me, then we'll take it down. But like, you know, you yeah. put up something like a remix on the beat. You write down that if you know like th th this song blah 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 remix so we have a and question from the audience so i want to get back to that because i love what you're doing dude and i have to give you even more flowers dude you fucking blowing my mind mm -hmm. but we did get a question from algo series and it was based on like if somebody's inspired today and now off of this interview to get started in the world of beat making what would you recommend them to start using and how would you recommend them to go about it Honestly, like anybody else would have like started by telling you like what program to use and this like that. That you'll find out on your own, like on, on YouTube, what to do and all this. But I'll give you something that they won't teach you on YouTube and they won't teach you in any like engineering school or anything like that. Dissect, dissect what you want and what you like, what, what, what makes you tickle. Dissect what makes you tickle in music. Find out what that is and make sure you can replicate that. Then make sure how it measure, make sure you can find out what its counterpart is in pop music, and and oh. I'm telling you, you 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 match these two together, man, and you you're 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 a dangerous fucking you know object. You're, you're sharp when it comes to shit, and everything else is just blah blah blah. It's, it's just watch a few fucking YouTube videos. So if I understand your answer correctly, because algorithms. Uh, Algo series followed up with what tool um, it, it's that you'll find the tool for you by looking online there really isn't a one answer fits all um, it probably depends on your goals and what you're trying to do and honestly here's the thing about tools <clears throat> I use Reaper because it's 60 bucks so if you can beat that anywhere I don't know but it's 60 bucks for Reaper right so like in my opinion if Reaper does the job and it's 60 fucking dollars why are you gonna spend more money until you're like real exactly. committed if you know there's an ROI, look at other shit. Also, I believe Pro Tools offers a 16 track basics for free. And so basically everybody's doing the same freemium game now, right? Um, I'm sure Ableton's fine because she has Ableton. But at the end of the day, it's going to be a matter of learning your tool. Like all of these things are programmed. So I've never really got that deep into production, but I do work for a software company. And at the end of the day, this shit's just fucking software. So every right. software has its own unique interface because copyright, they have to. And everybody lays shit out uniquely, slightly different, but in a similar way. And effectively, it's just sitting there and it's taking the different tools, going on YouTube. How do I insert and ableton's a big name i like ableton is a big fucking name so there's tutorials all over for that what tool do you use though because the peeps want to know uh man i've been i've been through them all except one i haven't been with uh, uh fl studio like uh, fully loops at any point just because this interface never just wired in uh in the beginning i was using uh reason for a while throughout its versions you know two three four 
after four, uh, that's when I went from a PC to a Mac. So I migrated towards Logic. I started using Logic Pro. I, uh, since then, like I kind of played around with like Ableton and other people's the rigs and things like that, but always fell back on my, on my, on my Logic setup always for some reason. It's just a nice workflow that I make the beats in there, I record my artists on there, I mix master in there, just everything in one shot. So you have a studio at home or do you have a studio somewhere else? Uh, well, I mean, uh, going back right before COVID, uh, I had my uh, my booth at my house. I had a, a booth set up right yeah. where my living room should be, you know what I mean? Uh, a full-blown fucking, you know, 10 foot by 12 foot fucking fully isolated booth with the whole setup and uh eventually moved that to uh sauce's basement like the, and then we did it out of there that's that, that's when the job guard sessions began we, we moved that booth in and uh, from there we started the job guard sessions and then, uh, the what sessions oh sorry you're right job guard sessions for the, right, right. For yeah. so um do you use any samplers or drum machines? Is something Willie Scandals would like to know. Um, honestly, everything I do is like on my laptop, and I I even sometimes stop using MIDI controllers. But yeah, and uh, when when I started, I started using workstations, which was like analog keys. Uh, I've definitely used drum pads. I've I've definitely used MPCs. I've used uh, it's like it's like kind of like Chinese made samplers like I don't even think they're, they're, they're probably even a known brand or anything like that where you kind of load like SD cards and stuff inside and like start pressing stuff around and I've dabbled with stuff like that but in terms of workflow I always revert back to like my laptop man like I've, mm. I've, I've had like eight hour flights where like I'm insomniac like and everybody's passed out like from 2 a.m. to 8 a.m. I'm 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 going through three three tracks on my on my headphones, you know. So. Ooh, that's an interesting I have, question. Yeah, I didn't have space for MIDI keyboards or anything like that. So I love what you said about that because <clears throat> it's actually again back to util. It's like a utilitarian approach. Like, what's the simplest and most effective way to make it happen? But I love the fact that you were willing to try out and use all the different things that were available to you, right? Like, that's also very fascinating. What about like headphones for for folk? What would you recommend as a like a, a budget friendly headphone model people could rely on? I'm just asking for myself because I'm super into that shit. Honestly, honestly, I, I'm I wouldn't be too well versed to answer the question based on a certain model, but from my experience, uh, if you go for Sony monitors in the range of like forty to seventy bucks, I find those are bang for buck, big time. Okay. Um, and, a, and a, a tad step higher from that would be like, you know, the 150 to $200 range Sennheisers, but Fresh. more than, uh, oh yeah. But other than that, it'd be overkill, man. Cause I've, I've seen thousand dollar headphones. I've, I've heard them. They're, they're amazing. Don't get me wrong. Like they're, they're amazing, but the $700 overhead for the, for the 15% increase in performance is not it. Yo, we just hit 18 viewers, dude. That's like one of the highest numbers we fucking had at this it. point, dude. This fucking is an amazing it. conversation. Fucking so let's it. go back to COVID times. So not to say that they're fun times, but they're real times. And right. this car yeah. created a transition. I yeah. see you adapted to the three, you know, B-Pack thing. We talked about that for everyone yeah. new here. 
straight up man's give it a free beats not necessarily free we discussed it go rewind after and watch it but like you'll see what i mean like man's is actually out there putting in work for the city like that which is just truly incredible also there's probably other people doing it right i'm going to assume 100%. you're not the only fucking person 100%. which means maybe, so many people out here maybe instead of jacking youtube beats from strangers go jack montreal beats from people who want to be jacked from you know that's all i'm trying to say maybe that's like a smarter approach um but what happened with covid then how did you adapt your life what flipped up there oh man um i mean myself like striving through is doing graphics and 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 doing like sound like sound works and odd jobs here and there. So obviously, like I kept myself going, just busy through the times and trying to like see what's 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 coming up on the horizon in terms of like out there. You know what I mean? What's happening? Uh, and and then during that meanwhile, always keeping the mantra, man. I told myself no matter what happens in life, that's years ago. Like no matter what, as long as I keep like making sure that I'm getting better at my craft. At any low that I hit, I'm gonna have that to hold on to at least. Mm. That I'm always sharp with my craft. My craft meaning like everything I do, my doings, like from production to music to paintings to bettering my knowledge to all of that. You know. What I mean? All right, let's talk about bettering yeah. your knowledge real quick. Yo, I'm yeah. into reading books. I've read 59 books this year. Mm -hmm. I have to read one more book by mm -hmm. midnight tomorrow to hit my mm -hmm. goal of 60. Mm. How, that's one of my ways podcasts i guess is another mm. fun way for knowledge youtubes is a huge one for me what do you do to learn how do you learn i'll i'll give you i'll give you a slight like like a general oversight evolution of how i used to do it uh when i used to be young i used to read certain type of stuff because like that that was my access of books but i never got into the point where like you said I, i'm reading all kinds of books like that because a lot of people suggest me oh you should read this book and that book and i swear like i wish i had that little claim to actually grab that book and do it <laughs> sometimes sometimes i know it's a fucking dual book but sometimes it's like like i'll, I'll download the fucking 35 page pdf of like something like a, a published publishing that i want and read about it but where it really started back in the days is i kept yahoo as my home page and back in the days it had always like fresh headlines and you can customize what you want. So I put like four or five general topics of headlines that I wanted. And every morning I would open up and log in and I would read every single fucking article front to back. So basically like 20 articles, short written, all of them maybe like a thousand words. So 25,000 words every morning, give or take. Yeah, that's amazing. And then it evolves to like bulletins and forums and channels and things like that. You know what I mean? Honestly, I do know what you mean. I mean, I didn't read a lot of books my first year on the quest. It was slower. Mm -hmm. um, at first, I went from like YouTube. YouTube was a huge starting point. But then um, along the way, I realized I prefer reading. It's faster. Um, faster for me, at least. Um, I went from like articles and stuff. But I find like a lot of it is finding the right channels or actually understanding how to Google and learning how to better vet your sources. And um, I find books is huge for me because books is like, you don't just like, fucking publish a book with information you gotta have sources so i'm a lazy learner and i just assume that the guy in the book read more shit than me and that i could go read all that shit or i could go read a bunch of books on a similar topic and trust that the eight or nine things that they all mention are the really good shit and then that's how i like kind of find commonalities and so it requires a lot of book reading to be honest it takes probably a long time to build that data set but that's been my approach now is to kind of like you know roll with it like that 
But um, I just think it's fascinating. Do you shit like Skillshare and all that kind of crap? No, not even man. Like I, I'm 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 more I'm more into like a. I would almost describe myself when it comes to what you're talking about right now specifically is like I'm an introverted think tank of, of certain ideas. You know what I mean? But yeah, I should get into whole Skillshare shit. I mean Skillshare. It's kind of really entry level stuff. So depending on the topic, it's really useful. I mean, you're kind of got like some mastery level shit going on. Yo, like, I'm not going to lie. We were having a very fascinating and riveting chat right Mm -hmm. before this call came in. It got me super psyched for this interview, right? Because like we were discussing stuff that I love, like virtual reality. So, yo, before COVID, before work from home, I had these epiphanies in my life. And I'm calling it like the third phase of industrialization that's changing music. And part of it is like I've had a couple of realizations, right? Like I know people think COVID's going to end and like live music's going to come back real cool. And it will for famous and rich people. But for a guy like me, yo, where's the bars at? What bars do you think are surviving this shit? All the places that were going to hook us up before, like, yo, all the classics are closing mm, 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 like that, right? So, I mean, sure, maybe at some point there will be an ecosystem that comes back to life that will support live shows and be this fresh ass experience for things right but i don't think it's gonna be like fast i mean we could be like 2023 even before like live shows come back to life so you're like a really smart guy and i'm curious to know i guess your thoughts on where music is gonna go over the next few years and how you see this playing out well, I see something already emerging called the metaverse, which is Internet 3.0, you know what I mean? And this is where it's going to be comprised. A lot of people have different theories on it, you know what I mean? And like my, my theory is that it's going to be comprised of small pods of lobbies and rooms. And they'll be divided the same way our, like our provinces or whatever are divided, but in, in terms of like topics, you know what I mean? The same way they're doing this whole um, net neutrality shit where they're censoring certain things where you got to pay to have access, which is layers once again, you know what I mean? Yes. You pay to access the first layer, then you pay another fee to access the second layer, then you pay a fee to access certain avenues. You want to hear a crazy layer that I discovered just in terms yeah. of like, because, yo, basically what we're saying is price layering in a lot of ways right, right? right. so like um i'm starting to realize how expensive it is to hit that next level and there are mm-hmm. a lot of services but the number of services it's like a lot a lot of a lot of services that you kind of need to end up with but um there's this new social media called clubhouse and it's kind of yeah. popping off in android and apple land and yeah. i'm seeing a lot of musician types i know on it and i'm not trying to like you know kind of put the cat in the bag or whatever it's not like a, you can't just get in you need to know somebody type shit. Yeah. so maybe somebody watching is there but the fact is is that this shit is on apples and it's not on androids and i'm like mm-hmm. yo that's interesting you got some shit that's mm-hmm. like it's kind of like popping that. off like that but it's in an yeah. apple ecosystem and the why i bring it up is not because i'm trying to like you know promote anything it's just this it was the first time it ever felt like I was like in the wrong situation was not having the like device that could even support this opportunity that presented itself. And you know, maybe this turns into nothing. Maybe it's just niche, but I couldn't even investigate it. And that was like a layer where now I'm like, shit, now I think I need to get a fucking Apple product. Oh man, what am I going to do? You know, because what am I going to do? If that ends up being a huge thing, it's like you need Apple or you're missing out. 
and uh, it's like layers like that so i think it's cool that you're bringing that up especially with the software as a service economy taking over fucking everything like in this idea of a metaverse where the internet's all connected and shit right i mean my theory <clears throat> that i'm calling it is music as a service so i'm sitting here on twitch right and I'm not asking for donations right now, but any motherfucker could just hit a subscribe button right now and subscribe to me on a monthly. And I'm like, yo, that's what my company does to sell software. It's the same thing. And now yeah. in theory, if you come out here and you create your music here, so obviously I'm not gonna gonna do this like for like music that's not shit that I own, but like, yo, my man's has sent me beats that I own. I can just kind of go live and use these beats and like fucking, you know go ahead and, and make albums and shit in theory people can then subscribe to me and shit that changes the nature of like music marketing at an inherent fundamental like business market shift right and it kind of goes into spaces so if you look at how vr is manifesting it's just that it's spaces and private rooms and private events and all of this kind of shit yeah and uh you know facebook's working on fucking a vr thing right that's why yeah. they're pushing oculus so fucking heavy and making it mm -hmm. cheap and affordable and undercutting the world because uh, i guess it's next year but they drops their their horizon which is just that spaces and it's such a weird world all right like but it kind of also just reminds me of something Merker miyagi when uh he made a post yeah. I, I i don't remember what his post said i remember what i took away from it and that is that um the future of music is not going to have as many millionaires, but there's going to be a lot more people able to do it. So that made me have this epiphany. Yo, like I'm probably not actually like I could make a million per se, but I'm probably actually able to make a hundred thousand a year if I play my cards right in a very reasonable amount of time mm -hmm. because of the way the market is shifting. That if you consistently create a quality product that people are attracted to, you can grow yeah. an audience and therefore you have web traffic. And the second that you have web traffic, boom. You have a thing. You are now an as-a-service product because your service is you and it's fucking weird. So all these kids that are influencers and shit, they're not like, so I saw this old man argument. I call it old man. Anything that's an old man, old way of thinking thing. That's how I coin it. Uh, where they're like, yo, all these people are becoming influencers to push their shit. And I'm like, I don't think it's that they're becoming influencers. I think it's that like everybody that's ever going to have a career in the future is an influencer in some way. Yeah. I don't know if you agree with that kind of line of thinking or in a certain way in a certain way or not like like the, it was always headed that way where everybody will be able to showcase their avatar you know what i mean meaning mm -hmm. like like who they can be and all that like that was always something that would be it but like 500 years ago they couldn't do that and and the best way that they did it is they got portraits painted of them and they fucking got their the monograms fucking sewed into their fucking clothing you know what i mean that's the only way they could express that you know what I mean? And now this era, now for sure, we're able to be narcissistic, you know what I mean? And, and, and exhibit that fucking behavior vividly, you know what I mean? To me, it's nothing new. It's just it's more apparent now, that's for sure. That's really interesting. Um, how do you see your world fitting into the future of all of this? I mean, you're probably not in a bad position because you can do a lot of your shit remote with like beat making and probably engineering as well, right? Like you can just do that from home. But do you see yourself being able to migrate into something like Twitch or a virtual reality space and how you could create a persona around yourself as opposed to... Do you feel like... Because, y'all, here's a huge thing I noticed. Beatmaker tags got cool. I know it sounds whack, 
But let me tell you something. There's quite a few of them. Where I was even talking to my like producer dude, and I'm like, dude, you need a cool tag. Go find like a hot Montreal artist to make like a fucking cool tag. You know what I'm saying? He's like, mm-hmm. mm, good point. Cause yo, like you know, when you hear like that, if you're metro, don't trust it. I'm gonna shoot you. It just makes you want to fucking turn up just hearing that tag. You know what I'm saying? So along the way, obviously the producer has now become a little more relevant and a little more important. Do you feel like? We can go full circle of hip hop and almost bring the producer back to the forefront and the rapper into a secondary 100%. position. And, we're, and, we're, and that's already beginning. And people like and people like Metro Booming are already kicking that off. But the way I want to take it more is like is integrate that with the festival producer and put it together and evolve something out of out of the both and create like a a digital set where. Mm. A live digital crazy set and, and and you create an exclusivity that like these sounds can only be heard aviophonically through this room or lobby in the metaverse do you understand what i mean and that's where you can charge or not charge or because it's a free show and then like i told you while you're preloading because because like I, I already i already work with people who who handle big apis you know what i mean like i'm talking about 50,000 square foot server rooms, you know, shit like that to handle, you know, things where there's a preload, like the show, the show's preloading. And I'm like, fuck, what are we going to do when there's a 30 minute preload? You know what I mean? When somebody puts their their VR headset on, mm. I'm like, fuck it. We put them in a fucking car. You know what I mean? And you put them in the merchandise lobby and which is the fucking, you know, the, the merchandise iPad and you're always sitting in the way, on the way to the show. You know what I mean? And it loads and actually like in a VR world, you're headed to a place and boom, you pull up to the fucking arena. And that's when you gain control of the, your joystick again. You know what I mean? And you head to your designated seating area inside that arena. Dude. And, then, and then you move your head around and the sound is still ambiphonic with your movement. So it's like the sound is technically coming out of those big speakers inside that show. Yo, y'all don't understand like how big what he just said is yo I, I do imagine the possibility look anybody that knows me knows i'm a huge vr advocate i went so far and this is again not to plug it but just to validate how deep i love it i bought an oculus right and then i went into outspace vr and i did an open mic in there and i recorded that and we used that footage in a music video just so i could show rappers visually that this is a real fucking thing that can happen today yeah. right is it good yeah no i still can't figure out how to deal with latency in its infancy it's in its infancy that's why guys like travis scott did one of the most like displays the best displays so far he used the fortnite engine to create his his show and like it was grandiose you know what i mean but like it's still mm. on screen it's still this even if you had a vr set a vr headset on it's nice on but i really want to take it to the level where like it's 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 majestic you know what i mean and if it's fully immersive and then that merch you buy and all that like it's set up to your credit card it's set up to all that it's set up to your banking like yo that, that merch you buy is exclusive merch that like time lapses so like when you log on you like like you get to buy exclusive time lapse merch that's shipped to you the next day thanks to amazon or whatever you know what i mean you know you know what's even crazy is <clears throat> I don't know how much it's going to even need to attach to physical merch. And I'm saying that because I'm on Twitch over mm-hmm. here, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, right now, um, you can create custom emotes. So I paid dude on Fiverr, and I have two of them available now. We're working on getting the other ones ready. I don't know what they are yet. But motherfuckers yeah. who subscribe to my channel get the exclusive rights to use those emotes anywhere on Twitch. Okay. So, like, 
basically people can pay me money right now to use digital stickers that are exclusive to an active subscription on my account which is fucking nuts when you think about it because it ties exactly into what you're saying and here's the thing i didn't think this shit mattered to me i didn't until i'm in the chat and motherfuckers are using the fucking sticker and i want to use the sticker but then yo my homeboy lamef has a fucking cool one and i like his little mic drop one and I'm like, yo, I want to be able to rep Lemef's channel over there and shit. And I'm just sitting here going, bruh. Like, my shit's a knowledge nugget. It's a little gold mm -hmm. nugget with a cap on that says knowledge on it, right? Like, Spage just used it in the chat. So, like, the fact is, is you can kind of... Yeah. So you can kind of build this. And this is basically the infant stages of what you're describing a futuristic model of. Yeah. So I want to just, like, mm -hmm. tell people that you are fucking... Mm -hmm tapping in to some core shit right now because the truth about the world of video games that people don't like to admit is that the gamers on the internet who make the videos and have hundreds of thousands of views are a small percentage of the millions and billions of people that are the actual market and the actual yeah. market determined that microtransactions and vanity wins you know how you know fortnite yo explain fortnite success you can't unless you accept that that model is actually really popping with a lot of fucking people in a way that maybe AAA games that lead to disappointments doesn't resonate as well with people. Am I saying that this is an absolute factual thing? No, but you could like look at some trends and make some observations about what big number of people are interested in by following where all the dollars are actually made in a lot of industries like this. And let's be real, freemium microtransactions are absolutely the future of so much shit because that's kind of like where all the money is it's you know all the gaming studios in montreal are because we're really good at mobile optimization as a city that might be related to some of the bigger companies in montreal that made a lot of people really good at mobile optimization and microtransactions so a lot of the bigger named um game development people like bethesda and all these people they really opened up shop here to leverage our ability to do uh conversions right. on microtransactions and that's why a lot of these people opened up shop in our very city so even our city is tied into this whole world of microtransactions and merch it's actually a very montreal thing you could say just based on that not necessarily exclusive but it actually ties into where our software side of the world is on anyhow i got off on a bunch of shit there mm -hmm. i mean nobody fucking care. like it's not okay. like my girlfriend <laughs> does not care about this shit okay it's not often i actually get to talk to somebody <laughs> and, like you know like he care you know anyhow oh that's... but that's fucking dope man i really appreciate that um I'm glad you have me over man on that shit man i'm glad uh i'm glad we did all this man it's pretty fucking dope that's real cool um, I feel like I'm definitely not sure where to take this conversation, which means it's like a good organic place to like, you know, maybe, you know, if you have any final thoughts that you want to share with the world and anything like that. No, man, it feels, you know, we burnt that to the filter, man. I like that, man. We, you know, that, like a good spit rotation, you know what I mean? Fucking <laughs> love it. I mean, my dream is always to break two hours with this shit because that's a good juicy conversation. Oh, we wow. Over two we hours. That. I just so that. we did that uh, <laughs> we fucking good like the live is a little longer but we had two hours 20 from oh, like nice. about when we started which nice. is still fucking proper i think you nice. shared a whole lot of knowledge nuggets with us you shared a lot of interesting things especially about just leveraging the opportunities and resources around you instead of worrying about it which is big facts oh one more actual question yeah, um mobile app beat making programs what are your stance on that shit Honestly, man, I've seen like some kids do genius shit with it. Um, 
I'm, I'm not against any type of tool like uh, like then then that gets you to the, to the final result but no honestly on a personal level i never fuck with any of that like i mm. just because of a workflow thing it's just one it's one more thing i gotta output ship it to the thing and then continue from there so it's like let's get patient with it yeah and you got shit that's working for you so why bother with like you know i feel that but yo Again, man, thank you for being here. Thank you all for watching, too. It's fucking cool how many of you stuck Definitely. around for this long, yo. It's super Crazy. encouraging for us, like, to keep going when we see that kind of shit. See in the chat, stay lit like that. Shout out all of you there. Like, Algo Series, I saw your comments on reading. It just didn't really fit into what we were talking about, but I saw them. So big ups for lighting up the chat. Um, everybody out there is su super fucking cool. Um, for you, those that are watching this down in the future on YouTube and shit, uh, links in description for all that stuff. Make sure you subscribe and like in whatever platform you're on, blah, blah, blah. All that good stuff. Leave comments so down the line when the man is twice as popping. And yo, producers from Montreal's be getting Grammys and shit. So like everything's fucking possible for the future of this world, right? Yo, yeah. it Trinata and fucking uh, who was the other one? Shit. Uh, what's his got, name? You got uh, a bunch dirt of, work. A dirt work. We got like the uh, like they won or nomination. Not sure, man, but it's still. I think way. I saw dirt work won on the Kanye song, uh, or nominated. And, uh, but I could be wrong. I don't fucking know. Yeah, uh, young Troy also. You got you got a bunch of other guys, man. Yeah, but notably Kitchenada. Like honestly, like on on a heavy level, he's he's really elite. Um. But yeah, Montreal's got its uh, got its heavyweights, and it's crazy that they happen to be OGs too. So it's nice to see even the youngins that are coming up doing a lot of things. The new wave, the new generation. Shout out to all of them for real. They they are definitely carrying it, whether they whether they don't, whether people like you know, give them that recognition or not. They are who will turn that next page. So right. Um. So yeah, again, shout out everyone. Do make sure to fucking. Go out of your way to follow his shit. Just do it. Just make sure you guys do it. It's very important. That's all I'm saying. This guy is actually doing some cool shit. I learned so much about you, and I appreciate that about you. Um, oh, and I would love to have you back again in the future for sure. Of I mean, course. I know you of got course. a lot of life to live in. There's a lot of money to be made in your world. And I look yeah. forward for you sharing because, yo, you are so liberal with that knowledge, dude. You're exactly what the fuck we want on here. And you know what? A lot of people were like, bro, you fucking making moves. I saw three people share this shit when they, mm -hmm. they saw the live on Facebook, mm -hmm. dude. So, like, yo, you have a fucking influence out there that's remarkable. And more people need to know your name I'm is all I'm trying that, to say. Man. I'm humbled to hear that, man. And, yo, we definitely going to be telling people about your fucking Twitch moves down the line is all I'm trying to say. Um, on that note, I do want to just give a special thanks to my patrons. It's Mel Gadamsey, Chris Prado, Jonathan Barnes, DJ Black, Hurricanes, Linda Williams, and Scribble. Dope support what we do. If you do support what we do, patreon.com slash behind that suit. And, you know, give there and that would be real cool of you or if you're on twitch here that would be cool of you i don't know i'm just saying it for all the platforms anyway thank you for being here and uh on twitch we're gonna go ahead and raid somebody but live long and prosper everyone mm -hmm.